0: Allison Chains has a song titled Last of My Kind. My guest today could very well be the last of his kind. Sure, there are some players today that fill the enforcer role, but the route that they took to get to the NHL could never match the route that my guest took to get to the NHL. Truly one of the last of the old school warriors, today I present to you Eric Bolton.
1: Nystrom, Nystrom's really getting some good right hands in. Gillies is down with Sandstrom. Somebody better help Sandstrom. Everyone must be held accountable for their actions. You cannot see your star carried out in a stretcher and do nothing about it. Oh, my. Did Nick plant one on c card Wow. You can't put a bounty on a man's head. I just did. The spinning, spinning. Who's he going to go after? The
0: Welcome back to Coliseum Chronicles, The Penalty Box. I'm your host, Joe Lizito. Uh, if this is your first time listening, welcome aboard. Uh, I'm so happy to have you. Uh, I hope you enjoy this episode. And if you have a chance, go back into the archives. This is episode number 23, but there's probably 30 or so episodes because I've had a couple of two-part episodes. I've had one three-part episode. And uh, so there's plenty of material For you to listen to if you're new to the program and if you're a listener who is a uh, continual listener a repeat listener thanks for coming back i really appreciate it Uh, along those lines if you are listening to this if you could do me a favor could you please hit that subscribe button hit that like button and if you have a minute could you please rate and review the show um i keep saying i'm going to look into this but i never do and next thing i know it's the following week and i'm doing another one of these intros I'm I'm guessing and I've heard other people say it if uh, you get uh, more ratings and more reviews uh, I guess your show pops up with their algorithms Uh, when people are searching for podcasts I guess mine would uh, pop up more in the hockey category Um, And you know, it can only help the show grow and I know I have some pretty hardcore listeners out there And I appreciate it if you haven't rated or reviewed the show if you wouldn't mind doing that for me That would really be great Uh, also if you're not following me on social media, please do so. I will reciprocate on Twitter. My handle is at Joe underscore Lozito and the show Twitter is at Kali Sin Bin Pod. Coliseum Chronicles, the penalty box uh, wouldn't fit for the at, So I went with at Kali Sin Bin Pod. Um, Easy for me to say. So um, if you don't mind, please give both of those a follow. I will follow you back. And, uh, again, it's only stuff like that, that will, uh, follows and retweets and replies and conversations. It'll bring more awareness to the show It'll help grow the show. And, uh, that would be great if you're on Facebook and you want to follow the show's page on Facebook, that's facebook.com slash Coliseum Chronicles podcast. I'm also on Facebook with uh, my personal page, but, um, well, you've scrolled through your Facebook feed, it's pretty much, I would imagine, a lot of political bullshit. So, I pretty much don't keep up with my personal page, but I do keep up with the podcast page. So, if you want to give that a like or a follow, I'm not, I think it's a like. I honestly don't know uh, on Facebook. Uh, I've had it for a few years, but I'm still pretty much a noob. Instagram, I do not have a separate show account, it's just my personal account, but pretty much everything I post on there is about the show. And my Instagram handle is joseph underscore Lozito. So, if, again, if you follow me, I will follow you back. So, uh, last week, I guess, was the first week, maybe first full week, where uh, the merchandise was available. The Coliseum Chronicles merchandise. And uh, I had a couple of friends, Tom and Steve, posted last night on Twitter that they ordered and received their shirts. They sent pictures. It still blows my mind. I, I, anyone that has ordered something... Thank you so much. It blows my mind that my face and my logo is going to be worn by people and seen by wherever these people go and um, You know, like I said that only helps grow the show also uh, I really appreciate that if you're interested in Coliseum Chronicles merchandise and like I've said a million times already uh, There's t-shirts. There's tank tops. Uh, there's leggings. there's socks. Um, there's banners. There's towels there's onesies Uh, There's 22 products in all and I've actually designed a mask and uh, But I'm not putting that up for sale yet because I uh, I ordered one for myself I want to see how it comes out before I put it up there because if it comes out like crap I don't want anyone wasting money on it Um, so This way you can wear a mask uh, and and by the way Here's my political statement of the day because of course everything nowadays is political and uh, Dean likes when I get political Uh, So here's my political statement of the day I'll segue from the masks. Um, There are a lot of people on social media that are telling people to wear their masks. And it's him and eggers like myself up to celebrities, and I did air quotes, to people in politics, everybody. Wear your mask, wear your mask, wear your mask. Well, there are other people who do not want to wear a mask. And if you haven't learned by now that one side is not going to listen to the other side, So all these people, we're we're months into this pandemic already. So you going on and on and on about wearing a mask. If the people you're directing that to are not wearing a mask by now, you're not going to change their mind because chances are you guys are on opposite sides of the fence about everything. So you are the last person they're going to listen to. I don't disagree with you. I wear a mask. Okay, I'm a 49 year old. Overweight asthmatic with scar tissue on one of my lungs. I'm high risk. I wear a mask Do I like it? No, okay, and I'm not a lunatic I don't wear it in my car when I'm alone, but when I go places I wear a mask if I because and and let's face it Most places here on Long Island where I go I can't go in without a mask So I don't have a choice if I want to buy groceries I have to wear a mask if I want to buy an egg sandwich I have to wear a mask if I want to get a coffee I have to wear a mask so They're kind of making the choice for me. But like I said, I myself am considered high risk. I wear a mask. I'm not going to preach to someone who doesn't want to wear a mask to wear a mask because I don't want anyone to preach to me. So for those of you who can't help yourself and are constantly telling others to wear a mask, they're not listening. If anything, they're going to do the opposite. So save yourself some time. But anyway, I digress. A mask will hopefully soon be on, available at the coliseum chronicles merchandise store if you'd like to visit the store it is teespring.com stores coliseum hyphen chronicles hyphen merch the easiest thing is to just go to my social media or in the description of this podcast that you're listening to right now there'll be a link there you can click right on it but if you like a challenge Go back and rewind what I just said the web page is and put it in your browser and uh, enjoy yourself Get yourself uh, a, a onesie for your kid or get your get your significant other a tank top uh, T-shirt whatever socks. I, I waited for someone to order socks um, But honestly, if you go there and you buy anything, thank you it, It's still mind-blowing to me. You guys are the best the absolute best. I love each and every one of you um, and like I said, once I get my sample mask, if the mask is uh, if it looks pretty good, I will put masks up there also, because who the hell knows when we'll be done with all this stuff. The store and the merchandise itself is made available because of one man, and that is Joe Maricich. Joe is the artist behind my logo. Uh, Joe, you can reach Joe at Graphics Joker on Twitter and at Loudegg.com. Joe is a local Long Island artist if you're on social media and you follow any one of the local new york teams you bet your ass you've seen some of his stuff because everyone forwards it uses it uh even on those weird uh facebook things like the quilts that you get like uh, there was an islander quilt and uh basically they stole all the panels from wherever there was uh, a panel i think of his famous barry trotz drawing and i think that was on there and of course they didn't ask him for permission but like I said, if you're a fan of a New York team, you've probably seen his art and you know how fucking good he is So uh, thanks again, Joe for doing my logo Of course, I have to promote some of the boys that do similar shows to mine uh, We're in the same genre Their um, Their uh, Subjects are a little bit wider than mine as I stick pretty much to the Islander organization They uh, They interview anyone that's dropped the gloves uh, The OG the original gangster of the fight podcast world is fourth line voice. Uh, Darren, uh, Darren just released his from the vault episode with Jason Goulet. That's a good one. Uh, I would definitely tune into that. Also, if you search for fights on YouTube, you're probably watching Darren's channel, fourth line voice on YouTube. Uh, I think he said he's got over 2000 fights on there now. So chances are, if you're listening to this show, you've already, uh, been on his YouTube page. Uh, keep going though. Let's get some views up and, uh, I mean, he doesn't need me to promote that. I'm sure he's got a shit ton of views, but definitely check out fourth line voice podcast with Darren. Bobby Longress in the bucket drop podcast, Bobby, uh, his latest guest. uh, I don't know. Uh, he's he talks too much, but actually that was me. Uh, we released, well, we released it's Bobby show. Bobby released part one of two where we discuss, uh, top 10 Islanders enforcers. Um, I tend to run at the mouth a little bit, as you know. So uh, we recorded for a while. You had to break it up into two parts. So the episode that's up right now is part one with Islanders ten through six, and I assume part two will be released at some point this week. Uh, give Bucket Drop Podcast a listen, and uh, Bobby does a good job there. Five for Fighting Podcast with Alec Olin Salen. Alec just did an episode on the anniversary, uh, unfortunate anniversary. Of Bob Probert's death uh, it was ten years ago last week, and he did a really, really good show uh, about Proby. And he had Darren from Fourth Line Voice on there to discuss it, and he had uh, Mrs. Probert, Danny Probert, on there um, talking about her husband, and a lot of. And Danny is, she's pretty out out there in terms of being willing to talk about Bob. Uh, I, I, you know, you never know how some people will react to a tragedy like losing a spouse, but. Um, you know, and I don't know how it was in the beginning, but I know Danny, there's plenty of stuff out there. There's plenty of interviews with Danny and, and Alec just did an amazing one and she's a great guest. And, um, you know, I know a few hockey wives. I know one in particular who's trying to pull the wool over your eyes right now, but, uh, Danny is not that one. Danny seems like a, a terrific lady and, uh, her and Alec, they, they talk like they were old friends. And of course, it's a subject that we can all appreciate, uh, Bob Probert and some of the good times they had. And, Uh, It's a fun listen. I mean, it's it's an unfortunate listen because of why he did the show, you know, Bob's passing, but Definitely a fun listen and uh, I would highly recommend you tuning into that. And if you're on Facebook, hold on Excuse me If you're on Facebook Alec is the creator and moderator and Emperor of the enforcer appreciation page and I've touted that uh, for quite some time now and uh, It's actually one of the few things I actually look at it on Facebook Um, You know, there's a lot of good guys on that page and uh, we're all there for, uh, you know, the common good. It's just uh, we appreciate the enforcers. It's really that simple. So it's definitely a page that uh, I would recommend if you are on Facebook. Definitely uh, take a look at that. So as far as uh, news of the week right now, um, in case you haven't heard, in case you're living under a rock, hockey is back. Uh, The Islanders come back on August 1st. And then, of course, I don't play for a couple of days uh, until uh, I think August 4th. But uh, something to look forward to Um, because I don't really watch any other teams. I can't really give you a prediction other than I'm expecting the Islanders to win the Stanley Cup. And anything less than that would be a disappointment. So um, obviously there are plenty of people out there who know more about the other teams than I do. But if you're not playing to win, then what's the point? So. Uh, I'm expecting a Stanley Cup parade down Hempstead Turnpike this year. And um, yeah, so uh, watch for that. Hopefully that happens. And <clears throat> I'm going to talk about something a little more serious. Uh, if you're in New York, I mean, you don't have to be in New York, but chances are, if you're in New York, you saw footage yesterday. Um, there was an incident on a subway where this maniac uh, brutally attacked these two gentlemen, stabbed them multiple times. And, um, you know, you've heard me talk about how I don't really watch the news anymore or read the newspapers, but, uh, when something like that happens, it's pretty inevitable that, uh, I'm either going to scroll past it or as, is, as was the case, uh, a few people had, uh, tagged me in posts or sent it to me, uh, via DM asking me if I had seen it. And, um, you know, it's just, uh, you know, it, it, like for me personally, um, obviously it brings back uh, it brings back some memories, but to actually watch it go down, you know watch it happen to someone else it's 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 unnerving, you know, and uh, it's unnerving that nobody tried to help them and um you know, I think the police arrested him, but you know the fact is you know if if he is arrested i which I'm pretty sure he is, when they grabbed him they should have put a bullet in his head, just like uh, if I didn't have two cowardly cops on the train that day with me, uh, if they would have arrested Maxim Gelman, they should have put a bullet in his head. But this guy yesterday, I really don't care what his situation is. What I know is what I saw in the video. He stabbed two people who weren't doing anything except minding their own business and going from point A to point B. So, um, this animal that stabbed these two guys. Yes. I wish they would have put a bullet in his head, but, um, You know, if you live in New York with all the stuff that's going on here, I've said this a million times since everything happened to me. I'm actually surprised stuff like that didn't happen more often. I mean, I say it all the time when I'm on the subway and we are absolutely crowded. I mean, loaded, just loaded. I mean, you smell the person next to your breath or their pits or anything like that. It's disgusting. And you're that close to someone. A person, a deranged person can really do some damage in a short amount of time on a New York subway or in Penn Station during rush hour. I'm actually surprised that this doesn't happen more often, but with the way things are going right now in New York City, unfortunately, I'm not sure this is the last that we're gonna see of something like this. So um, anyone going to New York City, just be careful because it really is, the mayor is turning New York City into Thunderdome and um, it's a real shitty place to be right now. It's actually reminding me of the New York City that I grew up with in the 70s. Uh, where it was like the Wild West, and uh, it's unfortunate. So um, I don't know. I, I was reading a few of the articles yesterday. I don't know these guys' names, and uh, I put it out on Twitter, but of course I'm not, I'm not anyone special. I don't have any sort of reach. But if anyone's listening and knows these guys or, or knows someone that knows these guys, uh, I know a lot of times speaking to someone who's been through an ordeal similar to what you've been through is something that could help out. And uh, I don't know these guys from Adam, but if anyone has a way of reaching out to them, I, I'm more than happy to just have a conversation with them and, and you know make sure they're okay and see what they're going through because obviously it's something I can relate to. So um, again, I don't, I don't know who's listening right now and I don't know what your uh, station is in terms of your job or whatever, but um, if anyone's listening and knows those two guys, um, I, I, Jesus, I'm more than happy to, to give them a phone call or Skype or whatever and just see how they're doing because their lives are never going to be the same. I can tell you that from experience. So um, <clears throat> it's, a, it's a really shitty thing that happened. And uh, God bless those guys. I hope they're okay. And uh, to the guy who stabbed them, go fuck yourself. I hope you die. Sorry. I hope you die. And I don't care if you think I'm, uh, I'm being a little bit uh, you know uh, ignorant or whatever. The guy stabbed two people. He tried to kill them. He doesn't deserve to live. It's as simple as that. So I I tend to be a little extreme on this stuff. And uh, if you don't like that, I don't know what to say. But anyway, God bless those guys. I hope they're doing okay. Um, Finally, let's get to my guest today. My guest today is Eric Bolton. And uh, this was a fun one for me. Um, Eric and I actually had never spoken uh, before the interview. Uh, I think he's the first guest that I've had where I I haven't had any sort of relationship with and it's actually weird because he was here for a few years and every time I would go you know, after a game or to a practice or something, for whatever reason, it just never lined up where he was available or I left before he came out or he left before I got back. It was just a very weird situation that him and I uh, never met up, but uh, obviously he's someone that I've been a fan of for a long time and um, it was great to finally talk to him and, uh, I, I mean, his memory on a lot of this stuff is pretty amazing. So, I mean, sometimes you get guys and the memory is not that great, but who can blame him? It's, a lot of this stuff is decades old, so uh, who can blame them? But uh, Bolt's memory was phenomenal, and um, honestly, it was such a blast to, uh, to do it. I could have talked to him for another hour or two. Um, sorry to see him leave Long Island. Uh, Long Island got a little less tough last week, and uh, Buffalo got a lot tougher last week with the return of Bolton. And, uh, I'm kind of jealous that he's in Buffalo because uh, I love that city. And, uh, you know, it's a lot cheaper to live than down here, but, uh, you know, uh, what can I say about the guy tough as nails, uh, check out his fight card. It's uh, second to none. And, um, I guess that's it. I've, uh, I've wasted enough of your time. You actually tuned in today to listen to Eric Bolton. So, um, I'm going to give the people what they want. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you, Mr. Eric Bolton. Ladies and gentlemen, it is an absolute honor to bring an interview with you tonight from one of the last true enforcers uh, in the NHL, one of the last true warriors, a guy that had a great career, and as I'm fond of saying, it makes me happy that when I look at the back of his hockey card it says New York Islanders. Tonight, I'm happy to bring you a chat with Mr. Eric Bolton. How you doing tonight, Bolts? I'm great, Joe, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic. thanks for having me oh man it's a pleasure thank you for making time for me man i I really appreciate um so my first question to everybody is when you were growing up and you growing up in nova scotia i grew up here uh, i grew up in queens and grew up on long island when i was out on the street playing street hockey i was always clark gillies i was always bobby nystrom if i had a time machine and i went back to see a young eric bolton on the pond who was eric bolton who was your favorite player uh,
1: probably about three guys. I would say Mark Messier, Wendell Clark, and Bob Prover. Those are my three guys. Guys that could uh, obviously chuck them pretty good, and also put the puck in the net. Those, uh, those are the guys I'd pretend to be.
0: Not too bad. Not too bad. I, I, I'm partial to Wendell and Proby on that list. I'll tell you that much. But, uh, but yeah, no, not not a bad trio there. So, uh, so we're gonna start with. Uh, your uh, minor hockey in Cole Harbour, so I, I wasn't able to find any information really. Uh, I, I saw that you played for a team called the Cole Harbour Fishermen and the Cole Harbour Colts. And uh, for the Fishermen, I see that you played 44 games in 92-93, 27 points, 212 penalty minutes. So is it safe to assume that this is typical Canadian minor hockey where it's uh, it's like prepping you for major junior and sometimes it gets a little physical?
1: Well, definitely. Back then, the uh, I played uh, as a 16-year-old in the Maritime Junior Hockey League, and I wasn't even supposed to play. Uh, I was going to play midget AAA for the Halifax McDonald's that year. And my old wee coach was actually coaching the Cole Harbor Colts at the time, and he just invited me down in the summertime for a skate. And uh, after after a skate, he, he called me in. He goes, you want to play? And I'm like, no, I'm not playing junior this year. I'm supposed to play AAA midget. And my dad's like, no, you're playing. First of all, it saved him fifteen hundred bucks, I think, and because uh, we didn't have to pay to play junior. Uh, but but he thought that was the right move, and um, I fit in just fine. I was a big kid that uh, played physical, but I really was kind of a you know an all around player. I could put the puck in that back then. But um, back then, the Maritime Junior Hockey League was all the old tough guys that couldn't make it in the O anymore. They all came down there and they got paid. Nice. So. That's uh, that's when I got my first couple scraps down there, and I did well. And then they all started gunning for me. So
0: everyone knows how tough people from the Maritimes are. And uh, before uh, before you had had played pro, there were several guys who from Nova Scotia that that played pro before you. Uh, guys like Bill Riley, Frank Beaton. Those may be a little before your time, but then there's guys like Cam Russell, Craig Martin, Dennis Bonvie, Dougie Dowell. Um, any of those players, would you say any of those players were an influence for
1: you? Well, I actually used to skate a little bit with Dennis Bonvey. Okay. Um, he was getting ready to go off to the OHL, and I was probably still in PeeWee, yeah. maybe going in the Bantam. Yeah. And so, a funny story, we kind of got in a little little tussle in front of the net, and he, uh, he knocked me down. I, I was scared to death of him, but yeah. I, gra- I grabbed him by his feet, and I pulled his feet up from under him. And then everyone kind of came in and got, uh, got in the way, and then I went to the locker room, and I was like getting out of there as fast as I could. <laughs>
0: Probably a good
2: move. <laughs>
1: yeah, so I kind of followed his career uh, in the uh, in the OHL yeah. leading up to before I got there. So I kind of looked up to him, and now we're, uh, we're sitting in it. Actually, we, we fought a few times yeah. uh, in the minors in, and in Buffalo. He was in Boston. And now uh, we're sitting in the press boxes to do another uh, scouting. Yeah. So, great guy. Oh, great yeah. Guy. Definitely.
0: So, I have to ask, I don't know um, if the team was around when, when you were still in Nova Scotia, but did you ever attend any Halifax Citadel's games? They always had some pretty tough teams.
1: I definitely did. I was very young. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: I didn't know how young you were because I didn't know if you were older me maybe because they always had – a lot of tough players. I didn't know if you gravitated towards any of them, but if you were that young, then probably not. No, not really. I was yeah. pretty
1: young when I was watching them.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, so then you were drafted by the Oshawa Generals. Uh, and am I correct in saying that you also could have played in the Quebec League at the time as well?
1: Uh, yes. I was the last year the Maritime kids could choose what league they went to. Okay. So I got drafted in the Quebec Maritime uh Draft by Hall. Um, before that, I went up for a visit to Laval. Bob Hartley was actually the coach. Oh, okay. And then, um, you know, I just went between the English and being away from home, I just figured the, the interior League was uh, a better fit for me. So, ended up in Oshawa. Yeah, I would think
0: that for your for your style game, and I'm not even just talking about the physical aspect, just the all around style, you're probably be a better fit for the OHL.
1: Well, you know, there's a lot of tough guys that come to the, the queue, but I think my my dad said it was he was leaving the decision up to me. Yeah. And I made the decision to go to the O. Years later, I was talking about it. He's like, "No, if you would have chose the Quebec League, like, I would have made the decision for you." <laughs> <laughs> Nothing against the queue, but right. Uh, I got a 33 in grade nine math or a French class, so oh. it's, it's a no-brainer. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, so that first season in Oshawa. Uh, you played uh, 45 games. You had four goals, seven points, 149 penalty minutes, which placed you second on the team. Uh, some of the guys, uh, some of the tougher guys that you may have played with there, uh, is it uh, Rob and Jason McEwen? Are they brothers? Oh, yeah. Okay. And uh, you played with the Sean Brown, but it's not that Sean Brown. You played with that Sean Brown uh, a few seasons later. Um, so two questions. One, uh, how – how was the uh, transition from the Maritime Juniors, uh, well, the league you played in the Maritimes, to the OHL? and From your rookie season, What did you have any wow moments as
1: a rookie with Oshawa? Um, well, I was a meathead back then. I was just trying to make a name for myself and fight anybody, anytime. And um, I think it was one of my first games – uh, we're playing Detroit, and I'm skating around a warm-up, and I'm staring down the biggest guy on the other side, and I'm doing a lapse. I don't think I even have shoulder pads on at the time in the warm-up, I'm trying to play the role a little bit. Yeah. And I'm doing laps, and I start yelling at this guy, and he kind of looks at me with a funny face, and I keep doing laps, you know, patrolling the red line, being an idiot. And um, I get back in the locker room, and I'm like, to the veterans, I'm like, who's this Eric Cairns guy? <laughs> <laughs> And the guys want The guys knew I came from the Maritimes. They know Bobby. So they they, they haven't seen me fight before. They, they they assumed I was tough, right? So they just wanted to see me fight Karens, because nobody else wanted to. Right. Um. They're like the veterans were like, "Oh, he's just tall. He's not tough." <laughs>
2: I'm
1: like, I'm like, okay. So I go right for right for Aaron. He still laughs about it to this day. If you yeah. ever talk to him, you gotta ask him about. I oh, will. Uh, I go right for him, and I've never fought a guy that big in my life. Mm-hmm. And. I was felt like I was six feet away from him. He just grabs me, and just the hand, you know, the size of his hands. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's like, catcher's mitt's coming at you, and he just started wailing on me. I ended up, I hung in there, and ended up doing okay, so. Yeah. Um, but that was my first fight in the O, I think. Wow, that's a, that's a tough inauguration there. Yeah, because he,
0: he was, well, I think,
1: two or three years older, me.
0: Wow. <laughs> I was wondering if that was going to end up being Karen's when you said Detroit. I'm like, I wonder if he's going to be Karen's So, Oh, very good. Um, so at the end of that season, you found yourself drafted by the Rangers ninth round, 234th overall. Now, my question is, um, had you spoken to any teams? Had you spoken to the Rangers? Uh, did any other teams express any interest in
1: you? Oh, no, absolutely not. We had, uh, I think one of our Oshawa scouts was a, was a Rangers scout also. Mm -hmm. And we had plenty of guys ranked that were supposed to get drafted. Um, Obviously, not thinking I was going to get drafted or even contemplating it, yeah. um, I didn't go in the draft or anything. I was out with my buddies, um, you know, and uh, I get home one night and I didn't even—I I honestly didn't even know the draft was going on. Yeah. And my dad gives me the phone and it's—it's uh, it's a scalp from the Rangers telling me I just got drafted. And I thought it was my buddy Tim that likes to play practical jokes, so I was like, "This is bullshit, Tim." And the guy's like, no, this is so-and-so from the Rangers. I'm like, oh, okay. And my dad nods. I'm like, all right, I guess I got drafted. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's the draft story. Surprised. Oh, that's awesome. To say the least.
0: So, uh, 94-95 was a lockout year. Uh, did you end up going to camp with the Rangers that year? Um, and if you did, what was that experience like, uh, going
1: to camp with a team coming off a Stanley Cup win? Yeah. I went to camp. Uh, I think I ended up going to three, three Ranger camps. Mm. Um, I mean, look at the the list of guys that were were there. You walk in, it's like Messier, Graves, Leach, these guys. I mean, just in awe. Yeah. Uh, Joey Kosher, guys like that. It's just, it was uh, it was amazing. And then, I think the next camp I was, uh, I was there with Gresky, So Let me see. I, I noted that one. Uh, let's see. I bet I bet you didn't know this who played with
0: Gretzky the whole camp. Well, I did because I heard you on the I heard your uh, interview. With <laughs> so I didn't know that until I heard that interview, but we'll get to that. so yeah. uh, so that first camp with the Rangers, I'm assuming you uh, I would imagine they did like a lot of teams did they separate
1: their veterans from the rookies? I think uh, looking back, I think we might have had a couple days and then we went right in the main camp. oh cool, cool yeah uh, any. I know it's a long time ago
0: and uh you know the camps might blend together, but that first camp, uh, did you have like a, like you say, a starstruck moment where you're looking like I said, first of all, they're coming off their first cup since nineteen forty. Um, I had to get that in there, by the way. Uh first cup since nineteen forty, like I say you have all these Hall of Fame players, even you know, guys like Joey Koser who's a legend uh for, for fight nerds like myself and uh Darren Langdon is there and a guy like Jay Wells, tough defenseman. Uh, yeah. and any sort of a
1: like holy shit moment. Um, well, there's a few really. Yeah. The, first of all, um, Brett Thompson was my roommate for two weeks. Okay. So, so that was interesting because you know him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so he broke me in, but you know what? The the most memorable moment there's there's two of them really. The one where I went uh, I went toe to toe with Dale Purinton. We went we went out, it was a punch in the face contest. And then we went off. We came back out uh, in between periods. And I think it was Kosher and Graves and a couple guys. Uh, I was stretching on the ice, and they're on the bench, and they just were raving about the fight. I'm like, I can't believe these guys are talking about my fight. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty awesome. So that that was really cool. And then the other one was, I came out of the rink once. My dad used to follow me around. Uh, he'd go to he he'd have an airstream trailer, and he'd go around and uh, and follow me through all the 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 pro camps and i walk out and adam graves is over at his truck and a... they're just chatting and then he he was out there for like a half hour just talking to my dad that's awesome that shows you the type of guy adam graves was well wow. so, i mean i walk out i'm like why well, is my dad he's gonna embarrass me <laughs> but i think graves went up to him and they were just chatting for like a half hour i was waiting for them to stop talking well wow. but uh, that was pretty unbelievable I love, you know, for me, as we were we were talking before we started recording, I have two
0: sons and being a father is the most important thing to me, so when you tell me that about your dad, I think that is unbelievably awesome, that is so cool, and then when you mention the Adam Graves part, I am absolutely 0% surprised, because Adam Graves is one of the nicest
1: human beings on the planet, so uh, so that's not surprising at all, that whole story is awesome. Yeah, he's definitely a character guy, He showed, he showed it there. Yeah. He, didn't, he didn't have to stop and talk to my old man. Yeah.
0: So, uh, after camp, you go back to the OHL with uh, Oshawa. You end up playing uh, 27 games. Uh, f- let's see, seven goals, 12 points, 125 pins. And you have a new teammate on the team, someone who uh, I haven't spoken to in a very long time, but a tough guy in his own right, Nathan Parrott.
1: Yes, yeah, Nathan Parrott. He came in as an 18-year-old. Um, yeah. Actually, Stan Butler uh, I think coached him the year before. So they drafted him, they brought him in and uh, he actually kind of pushed me down the lineup a little bit. They were playing him a ton. That's why pretty much halfway through the season uh, I got traded.
0: That that was one of my questions. What led to the trade to Sarnia? So you think parrot on the team was uh, one of the precursors to you being traded?
1: Well, a little bit, but um, the story goes like this. We had three guys get traded Probably a week or two to Sarnia before I got traded. And do you know Dennis Maxwell well? Uh, I've never met him, but I'm aware of his resume. Okay, so he was a tough guy for Sarnia, and he had to do all the work. And he was a complainer. (laughs) And one one day, he walks up in front of the bus to Mark Hunter, was our coach in Sarnia. He's like, "I'm sick of being the only guy here. We need another tough guy. We need another tough guy." And he's like, "All right." Who do you want? And the three guys that just got traded from Oshawa uh, prior to me, they said get bolts. Next day, I was on a uh, in a car going to Sarnia. So right. basically, Dennis Maxwell asked for asked for me, and uh, Mark Hunter made it happen the next day. Well, actually, those were two of the three guys I was
0: going to ask you about in Sarnia. Obviously, Dennis Maxwell. Anyone that follows the fight game like I do, uh, we're well aware of Dennis Maxwell. Another guy who doesn't fight as much as you guys, but would fight a little bit and be more of a little like a, a an annoyance is Brendan Urema.
1: Oh yeah, I was uh, good buddies with
0: Brendan. Yeah. Back in the day. Yeah. So uh, I didn't know if he had any good Brendan Urema stories.
1: uh he just <laughs> listen. He he's he just a mouthpiece. Yeah. But he would back it, he would listen. He would get under everyone's skin. Everyone hated him, but he would back it up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but he could also put the puck in it. Definitely. So, Yeah, he was a good player from Georgia.
0: And as you mentioned, uh, Mark Hunter, uh, I believe uh, he didn't start the year as the head coach there, but he did take over uh, some part way into the season. I have to imagine that uh, he he liked you, obviously, if he traded for you. Uh, did you like playing for Mark Hunter? I would imagine
1: so. Uh, it was it was a great experience. He he was such a good coach. He I thought I worked hard until I played for him. Yeah. He he taught me how to work really hard so he uh he pushed and pushed and pushed us um you know, he uh he respected the veteran guys and let us do our thing and he liked his uh he liked his tough guys well, they have that hunter work ethic obviously, and uh you know with the hunter family
0: uh you know i'm sure that uh guy that plays tough like you and and maxie and those guys
1: uh he probably loved you guys to death yeah i was i was spending the summer there at sardia. Um, just to train and stay in shape, and he invited me out to his farm one day. I'm like, "Oh, okay, I'll go to his farm check it out." What did he make me do? You fight? Put me? He put me to work. <laughs> Seriously? Oh, uh, he wants to keep <laughs> They, in they have the soybean farm. <laughs> oh, no, he just—I don't know what he's doing, but he just made me work all day. It was pretty funny. Cheap labor. But no, he was—he was a big influence on me. He—he uh, he was great. So
0: when you when you were with Sarnia, I'm assuming that uh, the rest of that season you probably had to play Oshawa at least a few times. Uh, how were those games when you would
1: go back into Oshawa? Well, they're in the other division, so I think we only oh, okay. we only played them once, I think, okay. that year. Um, but yeah, obviously when you go, I think the following year we we played them uh, in Oshawa. Um, obviously when you you play your former team that trades you, you're a little more hyped up, but. I don't think I got in any fights or anything.
0: Was that in Oshawa or was it uh, home for, uh, for in Sarnia?
1: I think it was in Oshawa.
0: How did the fans? Did the fans like uh, welcome you back? I know uh, a lot of times with the tough players, you know, they, if you guys get traded, you come back to the place you played. Even though you're in the other team's jersey, fans still love you. Did you get a
1: good reception going back to Oshawa? Yeah, definitely. They had yeah. they had great fans. They loved uh, they loved their tough guys there. There was uh, nothing but respect when I went back. That's awesome.
0: Uh, so now we get to your second camp with the Rangers. This is not the camp of Gretzky yet But there was a guy similar to the first camp where you had a bunch of you know the legends and everything There's another guy in this camp who is my most hated player ever uh, So I have to ask if you had it not run ins because obviously I'm sure you guys didn't fight, but I hope that all Samuelson didn't try to take
1: your knee out at all in camp He did not good. It was, I was more concerned about Bookaboom. What, taking your knee out or trying to fight you? No, every time I tried to just, uh, just to finish my hit, my hit, he'd bring a stick up and put it right in my face. Yeah, yeah. And so Adam Grays grabs me on the bench. He goes, he does that again, and just beat the shit out of him. So <laughs> I went and uh, chased him around one shift. He never did it again.
0: Oh, very cool. Now, yeah. I have a picture, and I don't know if it's from this camp or probably the next one, but uh, we had already mentioned that you had uh, done Jason Strudwick's show. Uh, and i know you fought him in a rookie game i don't know if it was this this camp or uh, the camp before or after because i have the photo uh, i don't know if you remember that fight with struds
1: oh i remember it well how uh, he doesn't he doesn't really remember it because he uh when he mentioned it on a show he wasn't too familiar with it but uh i remember fighting him behind the net mm-hmm. and he punched me in. obviously you know the way i fight i take a couple to yeah. to give a couple i like the long fights but he throws those quick ones over the top, and he hit me in the face probably 20 times in a row, and I just couldn't get going. Yeah. He just wouldn't stop punching me. <laughs> um, so I didn't do too well on that one. And then, obviously, the uh, the period ended. We went went back to our locker room, and I came out with no elbow pads on, went jersey, <laughs> jersey not uh, tied down, and I got out of my jersey, the uh, the second one. You can call me a cheater if you want, but um, I did better with the second one.
0: No, I uh, I will not call you a cheater.
1: I will say you made adjustments how's that? yes that's what you can say
0: <laughs> so after that camp you go you play in Sarnia uh, so now uh, Maxwell's gone Brendan's still there and the, the other Sean Brown the one that people probably associate with hockey, with hockey especially NHL he's there um, now how was how uh, Sean in juniors uh, Was he was he fighting the heavyweight guys or was that pretty much left up
1: to you? Uh, at that point he was more of a player he did it a little bit more when he was younger but he already established his name
2: yeah
1: um, he would definitely fight when he had to mm. um, he actually had a really good one with uh, Joe Thornton when Joe Thornton was I think probably a 16 year old they went toe to toe in Sault Ste. Marie oh
2: right
1: but, yeah Sean was uh, a tough guy he didn't have to do, a, do it a lot uh, that year because he was more relied on to uh, to play the game yeah
0: Um, The only fight that I could find, and I didn't find the video, I just saw a list of of the one fight from that year, Uh, and obviously with 243 penalty minutes, you had more than one fight. Uh, And by the way, just for people listening, 43 points in 66 games also, by the way. But, uh, the only fight I found on the fight card was Matt Odette of Kitchener. Uh, I don't know if that was anything, but I figure since it's the only fight I have listed, uh, I'd ask if you remember that one, or... Or if you could tell me about any other good ones that you may have had that season.
1: Uh, which Is this my last year in junior This is... Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Matt Odette was a was a big boy. Yes. I, I ended up fighting him in the East Coast League a couple years later, too. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I don't really uh, recall what happened in that fight, to be honest with you. Yeah. It, maybe he punched my lights out. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> you never
0: know. It was a long time ago, so that's okay. That's okay. So, um... We go to camp in ninety six, ninety seven. Now, for for those of you who did not listen to the Jason Strudwick, uh, Gregor, uh, Gregor and Strudwick show when Bolts was on, uh, I found out that Bolts played on a line in this Rangers camp with two very similar players, Wayne Gretzky and PJ Stock. Can you
1: hear me? I can hear you. Okay. so I was waiting for the punchline. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, a, it was just, we had no idea we were going to be out there with him. And then uh, first shift, there we go. We're out there with him. I mean, uh, pretty, is, pretty, intim- pretty intimidating. I, I can't even imagine what that's like. I mean,
0: you, it, it's basically, you can take any profession in the world and say, okay, you do this. But now we're going to put you with the greatest Whatever that profession is Go, just go and do it Like Whether you're a doctor, a librarian uh, Anything But here, you're going to be this person Oh, and by the way Here's the best person that's ever done it That had to be unbelievable
1: uh, I mean There were so many times where he had the puck And I would open up Or I would Try to catch a pass from him And I would you know, missed out for one time or I'd miss it and I'd be like oh my gosh I'm just embarrassing myself here um, but he was he was cool and the funny thing about Wayne is one of my last years with the Islanders in Vancouver uh, Doug Waite had uh, Wayne in the locker room and I'm like oh crap there's Wayne there's Wayne there's Wayne so I walk over to shake his hand I go I don't know if you remember me he goes yeah I remember you we played together in Vermont Come on. In, in Ranger Camp, I'm like, oh my gosh! And I talked to waiter after, he left. I'm like, I can't believe it. he goes. He remembers everything. Wow. That's the type of person he is. I'm like, wow. Yeah. It just blew my mind. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, who was who was uh, the better winger for him in that camp? You or PJ? Oh, definitely me. I can't give PJ any props. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I think I, I actually think that camp on his room with PJ Stock. That must have been interesting. Yeah. Yeah, he's a fun guy. Oh yeah, definitely. Likes definitely. to talk. I, you know I, what? Re- I—I've had that re-
0: experience.
1: <laughs> yeah. And then we ended up fighting probably ten times.
0: Yes, yes. Those uh, we will talk yeah. about those in, in a little while. Those are always fun, especially for me because I didn't get hit in any of them. But uh, so. Um, cool the rangers i think you started the year that year in charlotte um and one of the guys who you played with down there uh who i believe was a player assistant coach and it's someone that i don't think a lot of people are familiar with but i know he was a pretty tough guy in his own right
1: uh sean wheeler do you have any memories of sean wheeler yeah sean sean was the uh yeah he was the player assistant um great guy yeah good player, but he I never really saw him fight much though, because we had so many guys that would do it, was yeah. he was getting a little, a little bit older, so he didn't have to but yeah, Sean was a great, good player Now,
0: um, you eventually got called up to Binghamton, but before your call up you fought a guy twice before the call up that you ended up fighting five times that year if I'm not mistaken, and he's a name that anyone listening to the show will know and that's Aaron Downey, who was with Hampton Roads at the time uh, any recollections of Aaron Downey from
1: that season? Yes, we we definitely went at plenty. He was uh, he was a tough cookie. Um, playing playing for Brophy, you knew it was coming every night. Um, <laughs> they had him and Joel Um uh, So it was either him or Terrio. Yeah, but uh, yeah, we had some good. We, we definitely had some good tilts. Boy, if you had to think about two guys who were
0: Brophy type players.
1: Pretty much, Aaron Downey and Joe Terrio fit the bill. Oh yeah, <laughs> we um, I had Terrio down on the the ice in front of uh, Hampton Roads bench in Hampton Roads. Oh yeah, because Brophy hated me because I always I would always win the fights. I was always, always get the better of his guys. And he was leaning over the bench, yelling at me and spitting at me, and he was just going nuts.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you got yeah. red face and white
1: hair, huh? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. I remember that. That's great.
0: So you eventually did see some time with Binghamton that year. And uh, you met uh, you played with someone that we've already talked about and we'll probably talk about a little later, uh, Eric Cairns. Uh, but they also had a pretty tough team up in Binghamton. I, I'm not sure if all these guys were there at one time when, when uh, you were there. But you played with guys like Sylvain Bluen, uh Vanden um a guy who, if you're not familiar with the American League, he kind of goes under the radar, but, I mean, he's a, a probably, I want to say, a Binghamton legend is Peter Fiorentino, who he didn't shy away from anybody. Yep. He took on took on a lot of guys. Uh, and I believe he also played with Dan Clucid. Yeah, he's the toughest goal I've ever played with. Definitely the craziest. Yeah, he's
1: definitely out there, I think. But uh, but yeah. that's a pretty tough I, squad. I used to play with him. Oh, man. Well, I didn't play every night, so when yeah. I got called up, sometimes I'd be in the stands, and I'd watch, obviously, Bluett, and uh, Bushy was just, I mean, yeah you, you can't find a tougher guy than Ryan Van Bush. He was, right. he was going toe-to-toe with guys that were 6'5", and, mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of respect for him, and what a great guy. So, he kind of took me under his wing, Cairns, he kind of took me under his wing, and Sylvain so Bluett and those guys, so, when we were all on the line at the one time... Yeah, we definitely had a tough team. Now, before I interrupted you, I think you were gonna say something about that cluche. Well, Dan I I went all the to all the Ranger camps with Dan. So we played all the rookie games against uh, Montreal. Okay. So we were going at it with uh, like Dion Darling and mm-hmm. all those guys. All the furniture I mean, guys. Every freaking game was a brawl. <laughs> and uh Kuchin had I don't know. if it, I think it was a player. It wasn't a, it Wasn't the other goalie? He had the guy down, and he was pounding on the guy, and he stopped. And he actually waved their trainers on the ice because he beat him up so bad. Oh, is that right? Um, yeah, because we had me, Dale Pieranton, PJ Stock, Lisa Rokin, guys like that. Like so, every every game was a you know there was ten fights every game. Mm-hmm. And I think the the last uh, camp I was at, I was talking to the Rangers trainer. I'm like, when we play in Montreal, he goes, we're not playing in Montreal. I'm like, why? He goes, they won't play us. Yes. I'm like, why? He goes, because of you three. <laughs> <laughs> me, me, Puritan, and PJ. I'm like, okay. <laughs>
0: well, and, and you know what? In that group of three, you're probably the most sane individual there, and you've probably done some crazy things, but you're the <laughs> most sane of the three, I, I would think
1: oh yeah definitely
0: yeah I, i'm not crazy i just did my job <laughs> that's excellent now i haven't seen any of these fights but some of the bigger names that you fought in uh when you were with binghamton i'll just rattle off some names and if anything clicks uh anything good uh let me know so uh Christoph oliwa with albany uh wade belak with hershey uh kevin sawyer providence uh peter Le with with baltimore and big George LaRock with Hamilton I don't know if any of those any of those fights jump out at you for any reason
1: well, well the LaRock he was he was like the toughest guy I, I was the toughest guy coming out of the O mm-hmm. and I didn't know anything about him yeah uh, not, not a thing mm-hmm. I, I figured i bought the four of them, and I didn't know he was mm-hmm. to crap me twice. Uh, in Bingham, Binghamton mm-hmm. so that was meant to the uh George the rock
0: George the rock if you don't know he's a building and then you see him on the ice you're like oh wow that's a pretty big boy
1: oh I mean <laughs> I, I fought him a couple times in Edmonton too yeah. and just when you grab him it's like wrestling a horse <laughs> like, you, you have no you can't do anything it's
0: it's funny because I think when anyone talks about George of the Rock, I think they always end the sentence with, Thank God he's such a nice guy
1: Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, um, he, he got me at Edmonton, and he I was pushing up with all my might. He just held me under him and just saw him last, and I was just trying to push up. Yeah, and I was a strong guy, but yeah. You know, you feel like you feel like a four year old fighting him. Yeah. And I couldn't move my I couldn't move my neck for probably two weeks. So I'm on the plane on the way home and all the guys they kept calling my name, and I kept turning around. I have to like turn my whole body, and they just all start laughing. Like oh man! Glad you guys think it's funny. <laughs> uh, but yeah.
0: Yeah. So, so uh, when you go back to Charlotte, uh, we already talked about Downey. Ended up fighting him three more times, and uh, you fought someone who, actually, I think it was his injury, and we'll get into this later. I think it was his injury that led to you signing with Kentucky and, and that was Jarrett Burnett who was with Knoxville at the time uh, do you remember fighting Bernie at all
1: yeah yeah um, he, he was at Knoxville uh, The one game I fought Dean Moore Sean Halifax and Garrett Burnett and I actually speared him before I fought because it was my third fight and I didn't want to fight yeah. he was coming at me mm-hmm. so I got Three fights, a five-minute spear, two tens, and a two that game. Forty-two minutes. So it was a good it was a good night.
0: I was gonna say not a bad night's work.
1: No, but yeah, he ended up uh, playing in Kentucky and he blew his knee out, and that's yeah. uh, uh, that's when they called me up to Kentucky.
0: Yeah. Uh, when we go to uh, the next season, the only thing I the only thing I I found from uh, exhibition with the uh, Rangers or, or Hartford was. And I don't know if the fight was anything, but I figured I'd ask you about it. Uh, you fought a tough guy in his own right, Jason Nori, who I think was with the Adirondack Red Wings while you were with Hartford. Uh, that's the only only fight I know from camp that year. I don't know if it was anything or, or not. Yeah, I actually I have no recollection of that fight. Okay. Sorry. No, that's okay. Uh, now, this year, uh, you split time. You played most of the season with Charlotte uh 53 games 202 pims um pretty tough guys that you played with here del purinton who you talked about mike hartman and uh andre waugh was in charlotte for a little bit of time um you started the season in charlotte you fought some pretty tough guys uh dan Kopek was with raleigh uh kevin evans who minor league legend um uh, with mississippi and uh guy named carlin nordstrom who i know a little bit he was at baton rouge you fought him uh Two times.
1: I don't know if you remember any of those fights. Yeah, I remember those fights. Um, Kopak was a was a big boy. I think he played, was playing for Raleigh at the time. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember Norstrom fights. Those were always good fights. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think. I think it was Norstrom was uh, was a lefty, if I yeah. if I recall. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. He was. He was. You know, all those guys down there. They're all. They were all trying to do the same thing I was trying to do. They were trying yeah. to get called up. So every every night there was somebody willing and uh, ready to take you on.
0: So how did you end up playing eight games for Fort Wayne? Was that a PTO, or did the Rangers loan you there uh, in the IHL? How did that happen?
1: Uh, what happened was my last year going to Ranger camp, they sent me, to, sent me down to Charlotte immediately mm-hmm. after an exhibition game. Mm-hmm. And I thought I had a really good camp. I was doing my job. And, you know, back then, trying to make your way up the ranks with the Rangers was tough. They had so many tough guys already. Mm -hmm. So they sent me down. I'm like, all right, I'm never going to play for the Rangers. So what are we going to do? So I asked for my release from the Rangers, and they granted it. I ended up going down to Charlotte as a free agent. Oh, okay. uh, Just signing their – because my my agent at the time, he's like, "Um, if you're going to be in – in the East Coast, so you must as well be a free agent because so 30 teams can call you instead of one. So, um, my agent, Mike Wilkins, actually from Buffalo. He just worked the worked the phones and worked the phones and finally he kept getting me called up and I get sent back down and he get me called up and um, Torchetti was in uh, in uh, Fort Wayne at the time. Ended up uh, going up there and uh, doing okay but they just had uh, too many guys coming back from injury so I get sent back down to the post once again. Yeah, while you were there, though, I mean, did you uh, you
0: actually ended up, I don't know, did you end up playing with uh, Carla Nordstrom in Fort Wayne, or or were you guys there at separate
1: times? I think we were there at separate times. Okay.
0: Uh, another guy I want to ask you about, I don't know if you remember the name, Rob Weingartner, does that name ring a bell?
1: No, no, nope, okay. I'm
0: sorry. No, no, I'm asking you about him only because he's a Long Island kid, and uh, and he played pro. He never played in the NHL, but uh, I think the – Fort I- Wayne
1: was like a blur, like a yeah. just a couple weeks, and I was yeah. back down. Okay, well, uh, someone you fought when you went
0: back down. He's sort of another guy with minor league folklore, uh, and that's Louis Bedard of Tallahassee. I think you fought him three times when you went back down. Oh my gosh!
1: Do you remember those? I definitely remember those. He (laughs) he he reminded me of Ty Domi. Yeah. Uh, Little guy with a big hard head, and he would chuck lefts and rights, and he would just switch them up. And he was. He could take every punch you threw at him. Yeah. He was, uh, he was a tough cookie. Yeah. Yeah, we had some great tilts, man.
0: So the next season, I, I know that, uh, did you go to uh, Providence Bruins camp? Because I know in an exhibition game, you ended up fighting Steve Webb, who was with Lowell. Uh, yeah. yeah. So so is that, when you were a free agent, you ended up, was it like uh, just an invite to
1: camp? Or uh, how did that work out? Yeah, my agent got me uh, an invite to Providence because uh, he knew La Violette. Mm-hmm. That's when he was there. Yeah. And uh, we played Lowell twice, and I ended up fighting Webby Webby, Webby twice. Uh, he still talks about that. He uh, he didn't fare too well in us Me and Webby are buddies now, so we yeah. we laugh about it. But uh, he would fight anybody. Um, uh, he was he was he was a soldier. Well, I'll
0: tell you when he when he ended up here. Um, I had seen him a couple of fights the season before. He ended up playing a few games with the Vipers. And uh, I didn't know much about him other than what I saw. And as far as wins and losses go, he didn't win too many when he was here. But when you look at who he fought, I mean, all he did was pretty much go after the toughest guy on the other team. He was always smaller. I mean, just, like, talk about the heart of a lion. Like, it didn't matter to him. He just was like, all right, I'm going to fight. Like, he fought Cairnsy when he was at the Rangers. He just, when I I was um, just looking at his fight card pretty recently, I was like, man, this guy... All he did was just fight the absolute toughest guy on the other team every game. So, uh, like, I respected I respect Webby so much because, I mean, he he got an opportunity here and he definitely made the most of it. So, uh, so I'm not surprised that he fought you. fought him twice in that exhibition season.
1: Now, yeah, no, Webby's a special breed. He he was the guy that would go run you over. And then you would come after him, and then you have to—he—he he would step up and fight because he was such a good hitter. Yeah. So he didn't have to—he didn't have to go around chasing guys to get in a fight. They came to him really because he was—he was crushing guys. But he's like a missile out there.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, uh, so after that camp, um, did you end up signing with the uh, Florida Everblades? Is that what happened? You signed with them?
1: Yeah, after the camp, uh, Charlotte actually traded me. Oh, okay. uh, Sean Wheeler coming back to Sean Wheeler. Yeah. He was uh, he actually traded me to uh, to Fort Myers. It was okay. their uh, inaugural season. Oh
0: okay, okay,
1: yeah. Um, that that must have been different playing in Florida. It's not, probably not a bad place to play. No, I think we spent the first two months on the road because the rink wasn't even built yet. They're oh, still, shit. I mean, the, before they drop in the puck, they're still putting the glass up. Oh wow. Um, but what a place to play what yeah. a beautiful rink and uh, we had uh, an apartment in Naples Florida I mean you couldn't ask for anything better than that yeah. but nice. um, the coach Sir Ferguson he, uh, he played me a lot um, I did well and put up some numbers and started fighting started winning my fights and uh, I wasn't there too long 20 something games I think I got called up again
0: yeah 26 games 22 points almost a point a game 143 PIM so you're You're only there 26 games. You're still third on the team in penalty minutes. Um, The only fight that I found, and I didn't find the video just the list, uh, it's a guy who, if anyone here on the island remembers, this guy actually played with the Long Island Jaws of roller hockey, and he's sort of another guy that there's uh, folklore behind him in the minors, and that's Jason Clark, who was with Tallahassee at the time. Uh, I'm going to guess, did you run into him more than once, or was it just the one
1: time? I think it was just the one time. I I definitely remember the name. I don't yeah. recall the fight, mm-hmm. but yeah, I definitely remember the name. He he, he was around a long time.
0: Yeah, and uh, you ended up playing seven games for uh, Houston. Is that a call up, or did you have to sign anything with them, or PTO, or anything like that?
1: Uh, it was just a call up.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. Uh, I went up there for seven games. Uh, that's the year they actually won the whole thing. But yeah. Once again, they had they called me up because of injuries, and they had all these guys guys coming back, and um, they ended up sending me back down. Uh, Dave Tippett was the coach, um, but uh, fought Louis DeBrus, But I got called up there. That was my introduction to the IHL. That was interesting. <laughs>
2: well,
1: yeah, you had five
0: fights in seven games. <laughs> five fights in seven games. Not only Louis Bresque and Louis Debrusque is obviously the marquee name out of the five, but Fight fans know every single guy I'm about to name: Todd Hawkins, who actually played in Vancouver forever ago. Uh, Andre Andre Shrubko. Vegas had a very tough team that year. Andre Shrubko and Louis Debrusk on Vegas. Uh, Claude Jutra in Long Beach. And another guy who's very tough is that Clayton Norris with Orlando.
1: Yeah, I remember. I remember all those guys. I just, you know. Yeah. Being in, awe, being in awe of Louis DeBroskin and, yeah. and the big name, that that's the fight I remember the most.
0: Yeah, of course. Like I said, out of the five, he's the marquee name, but you definitely didn't pick your spots in your uh, five fights in seven games there. So uh, definitely uh, went after some of the tougher guys. And so this is the year that, that I uh, I referred to a little while ago. You ended up in Kentucky, Jared Burnett. Kentucky had a tough team. Uh, Burnett was the heavyweight, and uh, he blew out his knee, I think it was and now um, you ended up found yourself with Kentucky and I tell you what you made the most of it um, I, some of the guys here that I have you fighting um, well first of all I gotta ask you about Sean Hines Sean Hines <laughs> I haven't spoken to him in years but uh, I still say Sean Hines is the hardest shot I've ever seen and he did it
1: with a wood stick absolute bomb yes <laughs> He, him and well Nicky Batillo was the assistant coach there him. Yep those two Well, he was another guy that had like forearms like tree trunks mm-hmm. those guys would be at the uh, behind the goal line they were throwing wrist shots over the en- end of the glass from the far end is that right after after, after practice yeah um, Sean Hines didn't do a lot of fighting he was uh, he was tough when he did but mm-hmm. yeah he had an absolute blazer yeah
0: uh, how'd you like playing for uh, for Nicky Fatio uh,
1: I loved it yeah uh, Somner was there, he was the head coach mm-hmm. and um, at the first day I got called up uh, the T.O. calls me into his office and he doesn't even say a word to me, he sits down I sit down and he puts his old fight tape in, a cassette tape in the VCR <laughs> and he we watched about 10 of his fights Yeah. Not a, not a word is said he looks over me, he goes you like that, eh, you like that I'm like, yeah he goes, okay. See you tomorrow. <laughs> I walked into <laughs> of his office. I'm like, oh god. Well, my, that think, was my, the whole conversation. Yeah.
0: Well, it's it's funny you talk about you know the way shooting the pucks and everything. One of the times because uh, we live on the island now, but people that know me know we lived in Philly for ten years. So before you got there, I I, um, I went to see. I know I knew Bernie a little bit and I knew Heinze a little bit. So uh, when they're playing in Philly, I went to a hotel to see those guys. And actually, had it wasn't a game you stick, but it was like a pattern stick of Fatius. So I brought it there to have him sign it. Well, he gets one look at this thing, and he's just grabbing guys. He's like, "Look at this old lumber, and look at what I used to do with this. What I used to do with that." I mean, what? Just the. I mean, an ultimate character of the game. Uh, I mean, I'm an Islanders fan, obviously, but I have a ton of respect for for what fatigue did as a player. I mean, one of the all time toughest. So,
1: you know, yeah, I, he was he he was definitely interesting. He would grab. Uh grab us after practice the, the guys that would drop the gloves and he'd work with us show us uh you know his his little tips that he would give us and what, what to do and what not to do so yeah he definitely helped you i mean I, I
0: can't say enough what the what you what you did with the opportunity that you were given here in, in kentucky um, i mean just some of the guys that you fought everybody knows reed Lowe who was a whisper at the time uh, I think you TKO'd uh, Martin Lacher, who was with Adirondack. Uh, I think yeah. next, you also fought Barry Dreger in that game, and I think you fought him the next night. Uh, Roger Maxwell, Providence. Uh, you fought Scott Parker one night, and Steve McLaren the next night, if I read the schedule right. Um, Dennis Bonvey a couple of times. I mean, you basically, like like I mentioned before, you looked at the roster, you picked the toughest guys on the other team, and and you went at it, and I mean, there's no way that you weren't going to stick uh, any of those fights from that time with Kentucky. Anything jogged
1: the memory that uh, you have some any good stories? Oh man, I remember. I remember all those fights. That was, you know, I was I I was getting sick. I getting sent back down to the coast, so I was going to do whatever I could do. And Somner, he was great. He loved me. He loved the fights. I think the first. The Reed low fight fight is he was he was going through the league just wrecking everybody. Yeah. And uh so we had an unbelievable marathon. It had been like a minute and a half, two minutes. And the yep. uh uh saw him was jumping up and down on the bench, he was so excited because <laughs> uh, I held my own with him. It was uh it was a good scrap. But uh yeah, Scott Parker, always uh lots of run ins with him. He was always a tough guy, he's so freaking big. Yeah. Um, and obviously, uh, we talked about Bones earlier. Dennis he, Law. He, uh, he's uh, he's a legend himself uh, in that league. So, um, obviously, looking uh, looking back at being a, a kid watching him come up, fighting him is uh, definitely memorable. Now, I had
0: mentioned Steve McLaren, He's a guy similar to you, where a lot of times in your fights you weren't the bigger guy, uh, height wise. You may have been, uh, you know, weight wise, just as big as the guy mclaren's another guy not very tall but i mean one of the i mean when i was in philly he was there i mean it was just a joy to watch that guy play every night uh what was it like
1: fighting steve well we actually had the same agent so he would get uh um i'd always get the fight updates from my agent i'd i'd uh follow mclaren Mm -hmm. and he actually was uh he was just killing guys i mean he threw both both hands didn't care if he got hit both hands just as high as an next and I knew I had to fight him I was actually pretty intimidated to fight him I didn't know what to do so um, there was a lot of grappling in that fight on purpose
2: yeah
1: but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, one thing he I was, say- uh, he was he was one of the toughest guys uh, that ever ever fight. well the one thing I For say sure.
0: the one thing I say about McLaren is he had to follow Frank by Lois in Philadelphia and I don't know if you ever <laughs> I don't know if you ever fought, uh, played Frank in, in the Spectrum um, he's an absolute legend down there and it really and I say this it would take someone like a Steve McLaren that just really didn't give a fuck and he's like I don't, I don't care who I have to follow I'm just going to do my job and I'd say Steve McLaren was the perfect replacement for Frank Lois because to, Frank I mean literally there was a period of time in Philadelphia where Frank was probably he was up there with Lindros as far as popularity with the fans and oh, yeah. So, to get it, you know the guy that has to follow by lois it's not an easy task and I don't think there was
1: anyone better suited to do it than McLaren No, I agree like like I said before he was uh, he's one of the toughest guys to ever played he you, you couldn't hurt him, and he threw both hands he didn't care um, as soon as you thought you had him tied up, he'd be swinging the other hand yeah. um, he had some great fights man he was he was tough as nails.
0: So, Scary, tough.
1: Oh, yeah. And like
0: I said, what you made the most of your opportunity. So uh, you ended up signing a two-year deal with Buffalo. Um, were any other teams interested? Was San Jose, were they interested at all after what you did with their farm team?
1: I think they were a little bit, mm-hmm. but um, my recollection was uh, they were a little bit, but it didn't seem like uh, the way to go. So... Um, my agent actually here in Buffalo he was he was out with uh, Rob Ray one night and they were just talking about you know the season and fighting and what not and, um, they were talking about me and where I should go and what not and Rob Ray said to him he's like I've never had any competition here in 10 years and a bell went off in my agent's head he goes this is where Bolts is signing right here so I ended up signing because uh, they wanted me in Rochester yeah um so in order for me to go to Rochester, they 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 just tag the NHL contract on top. Okay. Like Buffalo had much interest in me, but I end up going to Rochester on a on an NHL deal and end up doing well. Very well. But before you got to Rochester,
0: so I'm assuming you went to training camp with the Sabres though, correct? Yes. 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 So you go to camp and now it's your first Camp. That's not a not a Rangers camp, NHL camp. I don't know how different that might have been. Um, obviously, there wasn't the talent on Buffalo that there were that there wasn't the Rangers, based on the fact that that was like the heyday for the Rangers. Uh, that wasn't yeah. you know other than the black and white stuff. But um, so you walk in and, and there's you know like you mentioned Rob Ray, uh, Paul Cruz is there, um, guys like Jean-Luc Grandpierre, Andrew Peters, Darren Van Oon rhett warner underrated tough guy so um when you come into camp you know now i guess you knew you were going to end up in rochester but even knowing that did you end up scrapping anybody was there anyone there you tried to uh, try to go with to make an impression
1: uh definitely well i went up there probably a few weeks before camp opened just to skate Mm -hmm. with those guys yeah to do the uh the pro skate just to get my feet wet and to show that i was uh you know, working hard and, and showing up so I went up there and I got to know a lot of these guys uh, in the two weeks I was there but uh, once the puck, puck was dropped I went right after Rob Wright yeah. um, the first shift and I think he didn't want to fight mm-hmm. he, was, uh, he was swinging his stick at me and <laughs> I was trying to fight him
2: mm-hmm.
1: I'm like alright this isn't going to happen so me, I ended up fighting uh, Cruz Okay. In, uh, in one of the inter-squad games. And that, that was it. How'd that go? Uh, I don't think it was much of a fight. Okay. It was uh, one of those uh, boring ones when we yeah. fell down earlier or something. I got you.
0: Well, I mean, you end up in Rochester and it had to feel good playing a whole season with a team that wants you. You're not bouncing up and down with the coast. You end up playing 76 games four points led the team with 276 penalty minutes. I mean, were you able to actually take a deep breath and say, "Okay, good. I know we're going to be here." And, uh, I don't know if you had a family at the time, but was it actually a great feeling to to actually be in one place for
1: an entire season? Oh, it was such a relief. Oh. I was, uh, you know, obviously we went through it. I was bouncing around so much before that. Yeah. I knew. Uh, I knew they wanted me. I knew they needed that, oh. and uh, I was the guy there. So, um, I knew I was safe. But yeah. Um, the next, the next goal was to get uh, to get called up to the Sabers or or get an extension for the following year. So I did the same thing. I went and grabbed every the toughest guys in in the league and and ran with it. Well, one of the toughest guys in the league uh,
0: you did grab and you had an absolute slugfest with him. This guy I talked about already, Frankie Bielowicz, who was with
1: Hershey at the time. Uh, do you remember that fight? Yeah, yeah, yeah I remember it well. Um, obviously. I knew who he was, yeah and uh, he's an intimidating guy, uh, but I ended up uh, knocking him down at the end of the fight yeah. after, after the uh, after the fight I just remember the coaches talking about it and the, the scouts in the stands talking about it and that's that's one of the fights really that put me on the map with, yeah. uh, with the savers actually yeah, and you
0: know uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the assistant coach at Hershey at the time was one of your old teammates from Rangers camp I was Jay Wells. I think uh, Wells was assistant coach I think Mike Fellino might have been the head coach so uh, maybe uh, Jay Wells remembered you from camp after that fight that's a that's a guy that's definitely a guy in the American League to make a name on it if you can do it
1: yeah yeah
0: definitely um, you fought some other tough guys you ended up fighting Reed Lowe again uh, Rob Skirlak, uh Jared Burnett he's back from his injury ended up fighting him uh, Kevin Sawyer Jody Shelley uh, Trevor Doyle, you fought three times so I don't know if any of those uh, saying any of those names bring back any memories uh, from that first season in Rochester.
1: Oh man they all <laughs> I remember all those fights the, uh, the the Doyle one I think I fought him he got the better of me uh, went back to Syracuse ended up knocking him up cold. oh wow um, and then we pl- we played them a few weeks later and i knew he was coming. Yeah. He was he was a mon- monster man. I actually she played junior against him too. He uh i fought him in Rochester and i i grabbed him next to the bench and i kind of tossed him into our bench okay. over the uh, over the over the boards. Mm-hmm. So i thought the fight was over. I thought my teammates would grab him or something. <laughs> and they like it was like the parting of the red sea. They just like like all spread out in the bench. And yeah. He stands up and now all of a sudden, of a sudden he's on the bench beat the crap out of me <laughs> we, had, we had some good wars against the Syracuse back then we had some uh, some good, good brawls for sure it was, it was tough well I know
0: later that season you end up having a line brawl uh, against them so uh, yep. I don't know if you remember that line brawl at all
1: I do we uh, our coach he didn't know what was going to happen at the end of the game so we, he, we had last change so we put all our all our uh, tough guys out in the ice and I think it was Darren Van Owen took the face off. He wasn't a centerman. Yeah. And uh, he grabbed he grabbed somebody, um, and he beat him up pretty good. Yeah. And then the whole, uh, all five guys paired off. Denny all had the goalie. Sean here was, that guy was a strong man. He he pulled the whole pile <laughs> down the ice. <laughs> wow. down the ice. So, guy, there was guys on the ice, and he was trying to rip the guys off. They wouldn't let go of each other. And he was pulling the whole pile down the ice. Yeah, I definitely remember that one. Yeah.
0: Um, and that season was a was a big season for Rochester. You ended up going to the Calder Cup final, uh, playing against some of your old buddies with the Hartford Wolfpack. And uh your old Liney from uh training camp, you ended up fighting PJ Stock twice in that final. Uh you remember those fights?
1: He was always a gamer. Obviously yeah. I enjoyed fighting him because yeah. finally I was the big guy in the final fight. I'm only six feet tall, so <laughs> Every guy I ever fought in my life was always, you know, as tall as me or bigger. So uh, for his size, for what he did in his career is just absolutely amazing. The way he juked and jived and absorbed punches and come back with those fast punches, I mean, just remarkable what he accomplished. So going forward, similar to what you did with your opportunity
0: in Kentucky, we get to next preseason with Buffalo. And you... I don't, again, I'm just in awe of of what you did. That preseason, you fought Ken Belanger, Aaron Downey, uh, Remy Royer twice, and you fought the legend, the greatest of all time, Bob Probert. Uh, So first, talk about the Proby fight. You you fought him uh, off the face-off. Did you ask him to go? Was there any conversation?
1: I did not ask him to to go. I I went out, lined up off the face-off, and he asked me to fight. Oh, yeah, he's like, do you want to go?" and I was like, yeah, I couldn't believe it <laughs> asked him to fight, yeah, uh, it's Bob Probert, right, but when he asked, asked me I can't turn him down, like, yeah, so I dropped my gloves and now I'm in, now I'm in the fight, so um end up doing very well yeah uh, uh, against him, and um that uh definitely I'd say that's the reason why I made the team that year sure I just you know like
0: obviously anyone you know, like players and fans like myself. He he's revered. And uh, you know, I guess at that point in his career all the young guns have asked him to, to fight and everything and that was probably probably his way of just asking you if you want to go, he I'm sure he knew that you you know, you're trying to make the team obviously and probably only a matter of time before something were to happen. And to me that's just an example of the kind of guy he is because I think as time went on with some of the guys who were the upper echelon guys they didn't they weren't always as gracious, uh, offering the young guys a chance to maybe no. earn their stripes. And Bob was always willing
1: to do that to all the young players. Yeah, yes, I I can see what you're saying with the uh the guys that had the long careers. There's not too many guys that wanna step up and fight the young guys, but I mean, when he asked me to fight I almost <laughs> fell off my chair. He was uh he gave me a chance. I did well and uh, I owe a lot to for him for that a lot of respect now how did
0: you find out that you made the Sabres
1: well they kept me in the hotel for I don't know it had been like three or four months and I had two good two good run-ins with Sandy McCarthy the one week mm-hmm. and I did very well in both fights and I was just in the press box talking to Larry Carey and he was just asking how to do it and whatnot I'm like oh, okay we're still in the hotel he's like well you're still in the hotel oh my God. yeah he goes oh okay I didn't, I didn't know that really oh, you didn't know that <laughs> and then um, the next day the next day at uh, team meal Lindy Ruff calls him over and he goes Bolts go get an apartment and that's when I knew I made I made the team oh, but man. they had no idea he was in the hotel I say anything obviously I'd be scared to death to even mention
0: You know, it's funny because (laughs) you're the third person that basically gave me the same story about the hotel. They don't know you're in the hotel, and you're not going to say anything. Uh, It's just oh, hell no, we're not going to say anything. We don't even (laughs) want to know we're there. (laughs) That is tremendous. So, opening night in Buffalo. No, I've
1: heard a bunch of those stories.
0: Yeah, it's it's incredible, but it actually excuse me makes you wonder about the the people in charge with these teams, like. They can't keep track of who's in the, and someone's paying the hotel bill, I would imagine.
1: Well, it's all, it's all, if you don't say anything yeah. and they don't say, say anything, there's no problem. Yeah. As soon as it comes up, then they may have to address it. And that's when they address it, when they actually, they actually talk about it. Because once they know that, you know that they're in the hotel, then there might be an issue. But yeah. Um, I would have, listen, I would all year if I had to. <laughs>
0: So, opening night in Buffalo, you play in Chicago. Uh, I mean, that, that had to be an amazing feeling to be on. Uh, I mean, first NHL game is always going to be an amazing feeling, but to be on the opening night roster, listening to the national anthem, uh, it had to be an unbelievable feeling.
1: Oh, it was. It was, a, obviously, cliche, but it's dream come true. And, um a lot of nerve, nerves, a lot of nerves. It just you want to get out there and not screw up. Uh, unfortunately, my first shift, I was the last guy back on a like a one on one one on one, and I heel picked on the blue, fell, fell down. Oh. The guy goes in on a breakaway, and Mika Mika Nornan actually saved my butt. Oh. Uh, so I get back to the bench, so I'm just mortified. <laughs> Lindy runs, he was down, and he's laughing. And he puts his hand on my shoulder. And he goes. He goes, I ah, don't worry about it, son. It happens to say everybody. Yeah. So, uh, he, uh, he made me feel a little bit better about myself. I don't know if Oh yeah. He he was laughing. So yeah. I mean, if if they scored scored he... <laughs> I don't
0: know if you heard he got hired as devil's coach today.
1: Yeah, I just saw that. Good for him. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. so the fight that you were that you talked about with George Laroc, um, with the the neck was he was your first official NHL fight. Was that, that fight or was that the fight they had later on?
1: No, that was the fight in okay. Edmonton. Okay. Um, yeah.
0: Let's see. And then, of course, uh, November 25th, 2000, in Montreal, you score your first NHL goal. Uh, you're remembering all these fights. I have to imagine you remember the first NHL goal, too.
1: Yeah, I do remember it. Um, it was against Kenyon. I was uh, going down the left wing. Uh, it's probably like the top of the circles. I was just trying to get around that. I think I was aiming like high, high glove or something. And I fanned on the shot. So the goalie was playing high glove and it went right through his five hole. <laughs> um, so I missed the shot and, and the goalie missed the puck and that was it. Kind of a crappy goal, but I'll take it anyway.
0: All I heard it was five hole. That's all I heard. I don't. How it goes in, who knows, all I heard you say was five holes, so that sounds good yeah, to Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. <laughs> and then later in the game, you uh, ended up fighting Craig Reve because I think he was roughing
1: up Eric Rasmussen, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, I'm actually uh, uh, just just moving back to Buffalo recently. I mean, I'm skating with him. I have a 16-year-old. He has a 16-year-old. We've been on the ice the last couple of days together, so looking back, it's pretty funny. Yeah. You had, not not much of a fight. Yeah. Know, I think I stepped on a stick and, and fell or something but
0: yeah it it wasn't it wasn't so no, much to talk about there. Yeah, no, it wasn't so much the fight. It was just so much, you know, it was a, another example of you stepping in for a teammate. Eric Eric didn't fight too much. He's a big man, but he didn't fight too much, but you know, it was good to see that you didn't forget, you know, you scored the goal and you didn't let it go to your head that you still went in and did the job uh, later
1: in the game. Yeah. So it wasn't my job to score goals. I knew that. Yeah.
0: So, <laughs> so
1: uh, don't get too cocky. No,
0: no. You had, uh, I believe it was your first fight this year. Uh, you fought Danny Lambert, and it was a game in Buffalo, and he was with Atlanta. And watching that fight, it, it, you guys threw some of the hardest punches I think I've ever seen in a fight. It looked like you were just throwing kill shots with every punch. Do you remember that one?
1: I do remember that. There was another guy that was, that was a little bit shorter than me. So I knew yeah. I could um, just trade, just trade with him. I, with him. I didn't have to wait and hold on and try to weather the storm. So yeah, he was. Uh, he got out of his jersey in the fight. It was a good fight. Yeah. And uh, obviously, obviously, when you watch those fights and you listen to Rick Jenneret, Yeah. Yeah. He made some ten times. Definitely. Unbelievable fight announcer. My favorite. Oh, he is. He's amazing. Yeah.
0: So uh, what was it like playing on the line? I mean, like I you said, you're up the whole season. You're playing on the line with Rob Ray and Eric Grass, must uh, That must have been fun all year, playing up with those guys.
1: Yeah, I mean, at that point, you're just happy to be there. You just yeah. want to do your job, so you don't give a, re- a reason to, to say him back down to Rochester. Obviously, having uh, you know Rob Ray there was yeah. It was great. He uh, took me under his wing. He wasn't. Uh, he didn't feel threatened. He. Uh, we became good friends. I uh, Just saw him the other day at the rink, actually. So, um, he was really great. And um, having that one-two punch, play, playing, you know, obviously going to uh, Toronto or Toronto coming into Buffalo, having having uh, him on your wing is definitely uh, it feels
0: good. So, I try to do these chronologically, but I didn't exactly know where to fit this question in. Uh, and the only reason why I did it in the Buffalo uh, Buffalo section, um, there's another Maritimer that was doing a lot of videos uh, during the COVID situation uh, on his Twitter and Facebook, I believe, and that's Nick Greeno. And uh, videos are actually quite interesting and yeah. very humorous. And there was one <laughs> video he did about uh, working out fourth liners, uh, going into the gym and working out and he basically said that Eric Bolton would uh, take the, uh, the, the Maritimers aside the minor league guys aside and uh, show, and you would show them how to work out in the gym. And uh, I, I, I Figured it was Buffalo because he made reference to JP Dumont, but uh, I'm sure a lot of people saw that video So I guess my question is how accurate was Greeners depiction of you in that video?
1: I mean, he's exaggerating a little bit, but <laughs> I was, uh... <laughs> so what happened was, once again, I had the same agent as him, okay. and my agent was like, you guys need to come up here and train in Buffalo, train with Bolts all summer long, so uh, he came up, and we became uh, really good friends and we yeah. all summer long, and hit the gym, we went to a boxing coach, we did uh, the whole nine yards, and. Uh, what a great guy! What a funny guy! Yeah. Uh, life of the party, and uh, um, obviously, uh, I showed him how to work out and how to train and how to try to get to the next level. He um, he likes to make fun of me, but <laughs> that way. But uh, the the video is a little exaggerated, but there's some
0: truth to it. Uh, well, here's your opportunity. Maybe not for revenge, but uh, what kind of a student was he?
1: Oh, he was great. Yeah. He was a hard worker. Yeah. Um, like he, he was trying to get called up too. He was trying to make an a name for himself. So, uh, a lot of respect, uh, for me. And I have a lot of respect for him. And he, he did what he was told. Shut yeah. his mouth. Uh, typical maritime or just worked hard. No, definitely. I, I love the guy. I love the guy.
0: Um, so as we go to the following season, 35 games, five points, 129 penalty minutes, second on the team. Um, Second fight of the season this year was an absolute war. You managed to have wars with these guys with Atlanta. It's no wonder you ended up there. Uh, tough guy Darcy Hordichuk. Uh, second fight of the
1: year, absolute war. Do you remember that one? I do. He punched me in the side of the head probably a hundred times. <laughs> he was uh, another guy's around my size, but he was. He, I always had a hard time with him. He just chucked so hard and didn't yeah. care, and um, he never stopped. He was a, he was a tough kid. This, this
0: season, I think, was the first time you had uh, first of many run-ins uh, with Jason Weimer. Uh, Jason Weimer was with Florida at the time. Uh, he fought Taylor Pied and did very well against him. Uh, and then the way I made the note later in the game, you decided to give him a chance to go up in a weight class. Uh, he didn't seem too interested, uh, but you made him fight. And while that fight's going on, Marcus Nielsen takes a pretty good baseball bat swing at you. Do you remember that whole sequence?
1: I do, I do, yeah. Um, That was the first, that was our first fight, correct? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I remember that fight. uh, He did something early in the game, and I decided I had to, like, make him fight. Um, If I recall, it wasn't much of a fight, but I do remember the guy swinging a stick.
0: Marcus Nielsen. (laughs) It's unbelievable, right? Yeah, I remember that. (laughs) So. I, I didn't feel it or anything. Yeah, Well. And and to Weimer's credit, the next game he did agree to fight you. Um, But even before you got your second glove off, you KO'd him. And uh, it led to some classic drama on TV between you and Peter Worrell. Uh, where you're in the box and he's on the bench. And uh, if I read lips correctly, uh, you pointed at him and said, you're next and you're going to sleep. Uh, Do you remember remember chatting with Peter about that?
1: Uh, Oh, yeah. Whenever you get... uh... Whatever you're gonna knock him like that, you're all fired up. You yeah, think you can beat anybody? And he's he's sta- He's what six point seven He stands yeah. up on the bench. Uh, he's the only guy standing up. And yeah. he's looking over across the padding box at me. I'm like, okay, well, what am I gonna do? So <laughs> I was all fired up. I I probably shouldn't have woke up the bear, but um, I told him he was going to sleep next, but it didn't uh, didn't quite end that way. No, but like I said on TV, it was uh, it was excellent drama. That's for sure yeah no that was that was a fun game and, uh, we were playing uh, um, chess with the lines trying to get uh, him up with me and then me up with him and then I changed and he changed and then finally I just went over and stood by his bench and am like okay let's get this yeah. over with and he, and he hopped on and um, I had a bad grab on him it wasn't a it wasn't yeah. a good fight I ended up falling down and covering my head so he wouldn't hit me when I was down and but he yeah. was skating off saying I was turtling but that wasn't the case, but right I had no- cho- I had no choice
0: <laughs> right right no, it's obvious when you see it on t v It's definitely obviously the turtle
1: um what so, a what a hard guy to fight though, big boy he had up break to my face like the next year, oh, was that right? yeah, fought him again the next year, yeah. and i came I came up with a punch and he came more over the top and just cracked me and broke my uh, orbital bone, so he got his revenge, yeah,
0: well, before that point in the season in oh two o three um 58 games, 178 penalty minutes. So, opening night against the Islanders, I guess you wanted to take the early lead in penalty minutes for the league. It was a rough game to begin with. Uh, You ended up fighting Aaron Asham in the first period, Eric Cairns in the second period, and your old friend Jason Weimer again in the third. Um, And also Razor fought twice in that game. He fought Steve Webb and uh, Sugar Ray Schultz. So, uh, what do you yep. remember about that game where you had to fight a period with three pretty tough guys?
1: Well, the first fight was against Asham. Yeah. We were, uh, we're actually really good friends now. Mm-hmm. Being from Long Island, doing minor hockey league stuff together. Uh, we had some run-ins uh, in the later years too, but I fought him and his first punch broke my nose. Mm. And I ended up uh, doing well in the fight, but I had a broken nose. And uh Eric Carrens got me in the corner, kinda cornered me and then we, then we we squared off and it was another one of those uh where I fell right, right away. It mm-hmm. wasn't much of a fight but um that was my second fight of the day with with uh, with a broken nose. So yeah. I think that was uh that that was Weemer's Weimer's chance to uh to grab me along the bench. Uh, it was a line change. Yeah. Uh we had a long fight, uh not a lot of punches landed, but I was fighting the whole those uh, second two fights in the broken nose, so that was my, uh, you know, trying to trying to do whatever you could to, to stay, and uh, they really didn't give me a choice to turn them down.
0: <laughs> well, I-, I wonder, how hard is that? I mean, obviously, you're fighting with a broken nose. You don't want to get hit again, but also, <laughs> I would imagine it impairs your breathing, so how difficult is it to, let's just say in the Cairns fight, you're fighting a monster with a broken nose. How, and, and I imagine it affects your breathing.
1: How hard is that? Oh, it's, well, if you ever had a broken nose, uh, you know, because yeah. if you get hit there again, I mean, your eyes water, it just, it's the, it's the worst place for me to get hit, really. Yeah. yeah. I, I think I broke my nose 12 times. I can't breathe, breathe out of it now. probably hear it when I'm talking. But, oh, wow. Uh, um, yeah, it's, it sucks. But, uh, you Just uh, bow through it And hope you don't get hit Try to protect it Now
0: um, Two games after that I'm, I imagine you still have a broken nose it, it actually is just Crazy to think that But obviously you can't You're not going to sit out uh, I think it was uh, One of your first If not your first Fight With uh, Sean Thornton Who was with Chicago And you dropped him in that fight You fought him so many times uh, What? Just talk about Thornton in general I mean obviously I'm a huge fan uh, but dropping him had to feel pretty good, especially like say you're fighting with a broken nose, which I didn't even know.
1: Well, back then it felt really good to drop yeah. him because we used to, we used to fight in junior okay. all the time. Mm-hmm. He was a year younger than me, I believe, and we had all kinds of fights. Yeah. Um, and uh, they were always good fights. I think I always got the better of him, mm-hmm. um, but he uh, he was making a name for himself at the same time as I was. Yeah. And, um, I listen. I got a lucky, uh, a lucky shot in. Uh, he went down. He wasn't too happy, but yeah. Um, we've actually, um, I mean, the number of times we fought over our careers, yeah. careers, all the respect in the world. Um, he's another guy, um, just a little bit taller than me, but kind of the same size. That'd be smart. Yeah. Um, I've never really seen that guy get beat up ever. Yeah. Um, some, like one, one of the smartest fighters I've ever fought he would hang in there and he made made uh, a hell of a career he's a character guy in the locker room and uh, nothing but good things to say about Sean yeah I think he's an executive now with the Panthers if I'm not mistaken yes he's doing well yeah doing, yeah. Uh, doing very well no, but that... uh, we would we, listen we would see each other uh, towards the end of my career we would see each other um, down in Florida or wherever he was playing and yeah. um, we'd always have kind words to say each other and hang out it was a uh, um, each mutual respect between us. Yeah, No, I love him. I, I mean, I've known him since he was with uh, St. John's.
0: I didn't know him, obviously, with uh, Peterborough, but uh, I met him with St. John's, and uh, just a, I mean, a class guy, just a super guy all around, so, uh, you know, you don't have to convince me how good of a guy Doherty is, because he's tough as nails, and they don't come any nicer than Doherty, than, uh, so I'm glad that you guys have this mutual respect for each other. It, it's funny, because I don't. I don't think of people that don't understand the role or the fight game, they can't comprehend the fact that two guys who respect each other so much can do the job and still have that respect for each other. Because I just don't think they grasp the role, you know, the enforcer role. But um, you know, we'll, he we'll, did. Yeah. He, you know. No, he did. Well, he was. He
1: was, He was such a respectful fighter. Too. He yeah. never punched you when you're down. I mean, we've all done it a couple times in yeah. the moment, but. He was uh, very, uh, you know, go by the code. And uh, I remember one time we're in Boston, I think, and we're down two nothing. And I go, "Thority, you got, you got to fight me. You got to fight me." He's like, "He's like, no, bolts. We're up two nothing. My coach is gonna kill me." I'm like, "Come on, please." Mm. I said, "Please." He goes, "Okay." Yeah. <laughs> so he fought me. <laughs> uh, all they had to do is say, "Please." Yeah, and, and that's you know,
0: the respect he had. He goes, "I know he's trying to do a job." And your fights you know, for someone like myself, and I like the drama too behind it. And you guys seem like you always squared it off. It was always that good drama. The couple of seconds before the battle. And, you know, like I just, yeah. I, I love both you guys. It, it was uh, so much fun watching your careers. Um, later that season, you may not realize this, but it was actually, I think four fights in a row. It was three opponents, four fights in a row. They're all ex Philadelphia Phantoms. You had a really nice fight with Jesse Bowler East, who was with the, Carolina. Yeah. Uh. Then after him, it was Frankie Lizard with Atlanta. You fought all these Atlanta guys, and uh, and then, of course, you had a two fight game with PJ Stock, who was with the Bruins at the time. So you had four fights against three former Phantoms. Uh, you remember it? You remember anything? I mean, it's three tough guys that you fought in a row. I don't know if you remember any of
1: those. Uh, yeah, I actually remember all of them. Yeah. I'm not familiar with all those fights but the PJ stock one was in Boston and we uh we started the first one we started trading punches and we obviously throughout the minors we have a history we're going out of it like every game so uh there's no love lost there um and uh I think I slipped backwards. He didn't hit me, but I slipped backwards. And you know, PJ, he plays plays the crowd. He goes Mm -hmm. off, and he's. uh, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, I was kind of embarrassed because he's going off, pumping his hands like he won the fight, and I was like, okay, I'm getting him again. (laughs) So next shift, I went up there, and that's probably one of the maddest I've ever been in a fight. And I was just hammering him the whole fight, and he just wouldn't go down. He wouldn't go down, Mm -hmm. and. It, it was just unbelievable, how tough to, for his size and what he did. And yeah. the, the punishment he took in that fight it was just unbelievable. And he never went down right to the end. He's chucking laughs.
2: Yeah.
1: This
0: season, um, I guess it has to be part, due in part to the way that you have you had progressed as a player, how you progressed as a tough guy. Uh, it was the end of an era in Buffalo, where Rob Ray was traded to the Ottawa Senators. Now, this is a guy that um, you guys were like a tag team there for a couple of seasons. He's obviously an icon in Buffalo, and now all of a sudden he's packing his bags and go
1: to Ottawa. You remember when Razor was traded? Yeah, I was sitting in the back of the bus with uh, with him, and he gets called up to the, up to the front of the bus. I think we kind of knew it was coming. Yeah. Um, and then when he finally got traded, it was like Well I mean we were so happy for him because we you know we had a chance to win. Yeah. so um, you know, they they brought him on board um, for the cup run there in Ottawa, and we were obviously happy for him. Right, right. Um, the whole
0: bus was cheering for him. <laughs> I mean, listen, there, there's, you know, obviously there are some legendary players who've played for Buffalo, uh, you know, Gilbert Perot, Hashik I mean, Rob Ray in Buffalo, I mean, the guy is, he's just, I guess – I'm not saying he's as good a player as say Bob Nystrom is down here on the island, but it's very similar in the fact that I don't know. I don't know the last time Bob Nystrom may have bought a drink here on the island, and I can't imagine Rob Ray
1: pays for many drinks up there in Buffalo. No, you can't find a more popular player here than uh, than Razor for yeah. sure. And I mean, I don't know if you think he's underrated, but I, he has heavy hands. I see him hurt some guys in his fights. So yeah. I, he. Uh, he was just another guy that wasn't that big, but you yeah. fight anybody and he, he had his own method and, uh, he did well. He was a tough cookie. Well, I'm going to give you my opinion of Rob. Um,
0: watching him throughout his career <laughs> and, a, and a mass, massive head. Too. Yes. Well that I, he, I always knew that I could see that. Um, <laughs> I, I was not a fan of his, uh, because of the Jersey thing. Okay. Um, I watched him a little bit in Rochester going up, you know, through Buffalo. Uh, I, I hated the jersey trick. And I think the irony to Rob's career as a fighter is once they instituted the Rob Ray rule and he had to keep his jersey on, he became an absolute killer. Like,
1: if you watch... Is he, game, he did just, just as well?
0: I, he did so much better, I think, with the jersey on. It was yeah. it was unbelievable to see what he transformed into. Because he, he became a guy that I really didn't. Obviously, I respect everyone who does the role, but the jersey thing really pissed me off, to be honest with you. Uh, but then when he has to keep the jersey on, I'm like, Jesus, is this this guy has been here the whole time? But you never knew it because the jersey would come off. But no, I, listen, what he did with the with the jersey on, I mean, he he hurt some guys. I mean, literally hurt some guys. Oh, so,
1: yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, he he adjusted he adjusted his fighting style a little bit, and then. Yep. That just shows how uh how tough he was and heavy handed he was. he uh yeah. Guys were scared of him. Yeah. He was tough. I I found
0: myself being more of a Brad May guy when they were all together, when it was Ray May and Barnaby. Uh I, I was more of a Brad May guy and uh I liked Bobby Bugner when he was there and uh, Roman Ender. Those were the guys that I you know, I like Barney too, uh but May may and uh Boogs and uh, Roman Ender, those were sort of the guys that I gravitated
1: towards on those Buffalo teams yeah I had a run in with Brad May I think he was in Phoenix mm-hmm. when uh when my early years in Buffalo it was a it was a short a short fight yeah but his first punch hit me in the side of the helmet and yeah. cracked my helmet in half yeah that's so hard he threw yeah he threw very cracked my helmet I get back to the and my, my ears are ringing I'm like oh my <laughs> gosh my helmet's broken in half <laughs> Uh, Yeah, he was an entertaining player. Yeah, well, well, him and I actually—he was either going to get hurt or he was going to hurt somebody.
0: Yeah, and actually, he was one of the guys we had. We had a talk once. I was talking about, you know, how—and this was before the the Ray kept the jersey out and we were talking one day, and I said, you know, the thing that annoys me is I think Razor gets a lot of credit, and I I don't think you get enough credit. And he was really really forthcoming. He goes, listen, he goes, whether you like the guy or not, the fact that rob fights the monsters he fights the heavyweights and that allows me maybe to fight the second tier guys allows me to play a little bit more he goes so maybe i i able to do what i do because rob does his job and i said you know what touche that makes a lot of sense yeah definitely agreed yeah so you go into the next season now and this is the first season that you're in buffalo without rob ray so um as far as tough players, Andrew Peters was there at forward. Uh, a guy who I loved. I loved his game and he's a good guy. Brad Brown was actually there uh, on defense. Uh, he had uh, maybe a middleweight Adam there. He, he scrapped a bit. But what was it like going into that 03 04 season uh, where you're the guy now? I mean, I don't know um, if Andrew Peters, what, you know, if, if you viewed him as a threat. I mean, you had a lot of seasons on him, but. Now you're where you would go into camp with Rob Ray. Now Andrew Peters is going into camp with Eric Bolton. So how was that camp different uh, than the previous camps?
1: Well, only being there a couple of years, he, I was now the Rob Ray where Andrew Peters was coming after me. Right. In camp.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it was eight in the morning. And I think we were on the ice at eight in the morning in St. Catharines. It was like freezing in there. And I'm a veteran guy. And Andrew Peters has asked me to fight. I'm like, are you kidding me? It's (laughs) 8 in the morning. No kidding. So I'm like, all right, what do I do here? So we get through the period. And then next period, um, next period starts. I'm like, okay, whatever. So I end up fighting him. And I throw a left, and I break my thumb. Oh, shit. So, yeah. So i'm out for two months so that was andrew peter's time to shine and that's when he he really made a name for himself when i was hurt so after that i really didn't get uh um back on my feet in buffalo really because he was uh you know i was hurt and he kind of took over and then um the next year i was kind of expendable well you had a couple of fights that you were at buffalo that
0: i want to ask you about one of them uh was a guy who is not scary in the sense where he's going to knock you out, but it's scary in the sense that you might have to fight him for three minutes. And that's Darren Langdon, who you fought when he was in Montreal. Now you're a guy that has excellent stamina as well. Uh, what were your thoughts about fighting a guy like Langdon, uh, where you know you're going to be in there for the long haul? Well,
1: that was my first game back after having my broken thumb. I just got oh. my pins out like the, the day before. Okay. So when I'm, if you watch that fight, I'm holding on to his shoulder with like two fingers i can't even hold on with my hand my yeah. my obviously uh my thumb is still messed up so um it, yeah that was like a two minute long fight and i knew i knew his style and i knew i i love that style of fight but um i've never never met a guy that could go as long as him yeah i mean i was i was known for that but at the end of that fight i was absolutely exhausted and he's still trying to throw bunches yeah so i at the end of that at the end of that fight i throw a bunch of body blows on him because mm-hmm. i couldn't get loose i'm like okay hit him in the ribs see what happens yeah. and um that was it but the next night um we uh i think the next night we played in montreal and i oh, and I line up next to him and we were both exhausted we weren't fighting again i'm like like hey hey Langer do you feel those punches? He goes, I didn't feel them during the fight, but hell did I feel them this morning. <laughs> That's excellent. <laughs> so, the body punches, even- um, um, he definitely felt the next day. Uh,
0: another guy you fought that year was a fellow Nova Scotian, Dougie Dowell, who was getting an opportunity to make a name for himself in Boston. Uh, you remember fighting yep. Dougie?
1: I do. I do. He was, uh, uh, Another, another smaller guy. He was, he, he was strong as an ox. He yeah. just threw, he just threw hard. Um, uh, yeah, that was a good scrap. I remember him for sure. Tough guy.
0: Now, I know you were, you weren't. A, um, it's funny to say you were a little bit older at this time, but you may have been older. Well, actually, I think you guys, I think Dowell might have been older than you. But do you ever, do you go back? He was. Yeah. So now, is there ever a case where you guys, you find yourself? I don't know how often you may. Go Go back to Nova Scotia, uh, but do you ever go back at any of these times to Nova Scotia and some of these other guys that you fought are there? And you ever get telling the old war stories when you fight each other?
1: Uh, no, not really. I yeah. I got four kids, and it's hard enough to get uh, out of the city, yeah. going all the way up to Nova Scotia. So yeah, I haven't been back there a whole lot. Yeah. Uh, so the next
0: season was the lockout season, and where a lot of guys headed over to Europe and over to Great Britain um, you know some guys played in the American League I guess uh, you ended up playing for uh, Columbia in the East Coast League and uh, you hadn't been in the East Coast League for several years uh, what was the impetus uh,
1: behind going to Columbia? well my wife uh, all her family lives down there in Lexington uh, like 20 minutes from Columbia okay. and we actually bought a little rental house down there to rent out for an investment. And it was vacant at the time. They were like, once we, you know, a few months into the locker, we're like, well, why are we sitting here in Buffalo? I'll go down there and play. I gotta play. I can't I can't take a year off. I'll be done.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So um, we called the coach and um, I said, hey, I'll come down and play for you. He's like, done deal. So. <laughs> We went down there, we lived in our little rental house, uh, and uh, I actually had a great time. It was a uh, lot a lot of, lot of fun. I was, uh, the first seven games I was down there, I didn't get in, uh, a point. So I'm like, oh god, this is bad, what did I do? <laughs> and then I kind of figured out the pace of the game again, and it was like a t- tiny, tiny rink, like a shoebox. Um, so I kind of slowed my game down and just played, and then ended up uh, putting up a lot of points and getting uh, power play opportunities, and uh, it was a good time. And then, um, you know, the, at the time, the NHL, they, they notice guys that don't play. So if you're taking the whole year off and don't play, they notice that. They see a guy going down there and, and uh, staying in shape and playing, they, uh, they recognize that. Well, in that
0: season, like you say, once you found your game, you ended up with 39 points in 48 games. Uh, 124 penalty minutes now. <clears throat> Eric Bolton, at this point, is a name NHL heavyweight. So did you were you a target at all for any of the guys maybe trying to make a name for themselves at your expense?
1: Um, not really. The only guy that was chasing me around was McIntyre. I was going to ask you about him. <laughs> and... I mean, I, he was up and coming then. Yeah. Um, what a monster of a man. He's the only guy that kind of chased me around. I did not oblige him. Yeah. Uh, the coach was like, no, Bolts, don't do it, don't do it. So um, <laughs> never ended up fighting him. But he was the only guy that was going after me. But I ended up fighting a couple times, just sticking up for teammates. Yeah. Um, but not really. I got you.
0: Yeah, I Yeah, I wondered that because, you know, if I was a guy down there you would have been the first guy I would have tried to go after because, for a guy that's an East Coast guy, if even if he doesn't even have to beat you, but even if he shows well in the fight with you, that that might open some eyes. But uh, you know, I, McIntyre was definitely the guy I was going to ask you about. I saw he was down there, and uh, I, you know, I'm not surprised that he
1: was uh, he was trying to hunt you down a bit. Oh, he was. That's for sure. <laughs> Chasing around the whole game one time.
0: <laughs> so. So I guess between, I've already mentioned it a bunch of times, you ended up fighting, it seems like, every game that you played Atlanta. And I don't know if it had anything to do with the geography of you playing in Columbia. Uh, You ended up signing with Atlanta. How did that come about? Um,
1: Well, I had a few offers. Um, Chicago actually offered me a a contract, and I'm debating. And my wife uh, went to UGA. Um, all our families in the south, and I'm and Atlanta calls, and I'm like it's two hours away. Let's yeah. just sign there. Yeah. And I knew I I I went to the roster and I knew that I had a good chance to make the team and uh, stick. So uh, we just told, chose uh, out of a whim. We just told, chose Atlanta. Yeah. Um, how'd you like playing for Bob Hartley? I didn't mind Bob. He yeah. it's. Uh, Bob gets a bad rap once yeah. in a while for his uh, his style, but listen, he was he was very honest with me. Um, when he scratched me, he'd just tell me how it is. Yeah. Like I'd be pissed off, I'd be pissed off if he scratched me. He's like, "Bolts, I gotta play this guy for X, you know, for this reason or that reason." Sorry, you're the old, the old guy out. I'm like, well, at least he's not bullcrapping me, right? So, um, but no, he's he's a guy that loved the fights, so he definitely respected me and. Uh, we had, a, we had a good
0: relationship. That's good. I mean, it's really all you can ask for. You know, there are a lot of, you know, coach-player relationships that, that are, are not good. And uh, like you say, he gets, you know, he's one of the guys that you hear some people complaining about. But I'm happy to hear that you guys had a good relationship because, you know, I always I always like when coaches respect the guys that do the job that, that you did and a bunch of guys did. So that's actually good to hear. Um, so preseason, so you went after the uh, Southern teams. Uh, tougher players. You had a fight with Grant McNeil of the Panthers and uh rematch with Darcy Hortichuk who was a Nashville predator at the time. Uh, do you remember those
1: scraps? Yeah, I do. Another good one with Horty.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, like I said before, he was uh always had problems with him. He had... Uh, he chucked him fast. He had heavy hands and he was a gamer. Uh-huh. Um, but I knew, I knew that one was coming again. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um... There was a game in toronto where you hit eric lindros and uh ty domi and wade delak were were not happy with that uh can you take me through through the incident there
1: um yeah i think something might have happened in toronto uh maybe a couple weeks before or i might have did something that ticked the media off or did you know you know what i'm talking about yeah um I hit Lindros in the corner in uh, in my zone when the puck was coming around. I thought it was a clean hit. Mm-hmm. Um, it was. It looked I, clean. Yeah, and all the announcers are going crazy. Mm-hmm. And Obviously, Lindros with his uh, concussion problems, he, he weren't supposed to hit him. Right? <laughs> yeah, So right? They were in an uproar, and then Domi came in and cross-checked me in the face, and the gloves came off, and Garner actually grabbed him, and I was swinging at the bottom of the pile, and Wade Belak uh, tries to get at me, and and be like, kind uh, of get over the pile, and I'm trying to get away from the ref. And uh, it looks like I throw the ref to the ground, but I really didn't. We kind of just fell over. And yeah. the announcers was like, "Oh, Bolton's going to the minors. He keeps this up, and uh, look, like he just—he's going to get suspended. He just threw the line. He decked the linesman." And um, yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was one of many with Toronto, actually. Yeah, we had a pretty—we had, had a little rivalry against them.
0: Hey, you know what? If you're gonna have a rivalry with a team, with the way the media attention is with the uh, Maple Leafs, it's not a bad team to have the rivalry with, because you know everyone's gonna see it.
1: Yeah, I was, uh, I wasn't well liked there. <laughs> it...
0: uh, so you were suspended. Now I didn't. I don't think I saw this, but I saw you got suspended six games for elbowing Paul Ranger. So I guess my question is did you elbow him six games worth? I mean, did you get your suspensions worth or was it
1: a bit excessive? I definitely elbowed him. Mm-hmm. It was unintentional. It was obviously my fault. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to hit him. He st- side, side me and I'm just, I reach out just to get a piece of him. Yeah. And I ended, I ended up getting him right on his jaw. Oh, okay. and it was, yeah. So it was my bad. Um, unintentional. Yeah. Um, obviously you're going 100 miles an hour and you just try not to miss your hit and look stupid so you just try to catch a piece of him but end up uh, he ended up having like a hairline fracture fracture on his jaw oh okay um you know we fought the suspension but it was it was worthy I mean I did it yeah yeah um in another game against Carolina
0: um Mellenby laid a pretty good hit on Jesse Bollerese and then Bollerese went after Mellenby and you did you did your job and you stepped in uh for uh for Scott and yeah the another unbelievable fight with Jesse.
1: Uh do you remember that whole sequence? I do. Yeah. I had uh the old veteran Scott Mountainby, he was their captain at the time and he uh he got me in a few fights actually but I had to uh yeah I had to uh stick up for Mel. Yeah. Um what a what a leader, what a character guy and he you know, I knew I had to uh get in there and fight Jesse. Uh, This season also uh, you fought your former
0: uh, teammate Andrew Peters Uh, Now is that something maybe you went and looked for or is it just something that happened?
1: Oh, I definitely looked for it for sure (laughs) That's a no-brainer. Yeah Yeah Yeah. Uh, Let's
0: see and then uh, Your last fight this season was the guy that I'm a a very big fan of it was actually here at Nassau Coliseum Uh, You fought Eric Goddard and, and actually that was the first time you fought him I believe and you actually did really well, uh, really well against it, uh, Eric. You landed some pretty monstrous uppercuts. I don't know. I think it was along the boards
1: too. I don't know if you remember that one. I do remember that because yeah. once again we had the uh, the same agent. My agent had all these tough guys yeah. coming up, so it was pretty funny. So I was familiar with him. I knew he was really tough. Yeah. And I think I think I snuck an early uppercut in on him that hurt him. Yeah. Um And I just kept on throwing them, and every one landed. So yeah, I did well. I did well in that fight. Um, We had some fights later on in the career. I didn't do too well against him, but he was was that's another guy that was. Yeah. He was. uh, He was a tough, tough man.
0: Oh yeah, it was. uh, As a fan, it was nice having him (coughs) and uh, Karens here as a tag team for a little bit. That was a pretty intense tag team we had here uh, on the island.
1: It was pretty fun uh, for someone like myself. And a great, great character guy, too. Yeah. What a what a great human being he is. And actually, uh, I have it
0: at next season. Uh, Eric had moved on to Calgary. And uh, you had your rematch with
1: him there. And that was a pretty good war, too. Uh, I don't know if you remember that one. I do remember that. I got my jersey caught. I was trying to get my arm out of my jersey. And I got caught halfway. And he, I mean, you watch the tape. He yeah. got me pretty good on the side of the head yeah. a few times.
2: Yeah.
1: Now... Uh, you fought Colt Nor
0: this season I think that uh, may have been The first time you fought him uh, And in the first fight I think he got the better of you And then you went for a rematch So I'm
1: assuming that you, you sought him out for the rematch Yeah, the first time we fought um, I had him kind of bent over And I was trying to chuck a couple uppercuts And he just threw a wild one over the top And just caught me right on my chin yeah. And I bambied Yeah and uh, pop right back up, but I knew like that was the that was the first fight of many against yeah. him. Mm-hmm. We uh, after that uh, every fight was uh, pretty much even. We yeah. had uh, some wa- lot of respect for that guy. He was probably one of the heaviest hands i would fought, if not the most heavy hands mm-hmm. uh, in the NHL at the time.
0: The Thrashers. You were part of the uh, I believe it's the only playoff run that the team had um so atlanta's not a traditional hockey market but uh there are i think the the fans down you know i think the southern fans sometimes get a bad rap and you played in different leagues down south but the hardcore fans that love hockey down in the southern cities i mean they really love it and uh what was that like uh, being a part of the Thrashers
1: playoff run Uh, i mean it was unbelievable I mean, there is hockey fans down there. There's a yeah. lot of Canadians, actually, in Atlanta mm-hmm. that, uh, that moved down there. There's there's a ton of hockey fans. They just they were sick of losing And we I think we made the playoffs once in 12 years. So um, with all those other sports going on, you know, the Tuesday night casual fan, he's not going to, you know, Phillips Arena to watch uh, the Thrasher. So uh, on weekends we had good crowds. And obviously when we made the playoffs, I mean, the city was rocking. The place was packed um uh yeah it was it was a good time good experience the uh like I said there's there's fans down there it's, yeah. it's a shame they don't have a team put it that way they, they they should have a hockey team
0: now uh unfortunately the the series didn't go uh Atlanta's way uh you had 24 penalty minutes you played four games and 22 of those penalty minutes came in one game uh do you remember how you earned those 22 penalty minutes
1: I actually don't remember oh, yeah
0: I don't think it was a fight.
1: I, I just... Uh, I, I noticed... They that probably it, they probably threw me out at the end of the game, just to yeah. get... Because, you know, if we were losing, we'd probably be trying to stir things up. They, yeah. they were probably 10-minute misconduct or something.
0: Yeah. Uh, so now you go to the next season. Uh, I mean, you had a 74 games, 127 penalty minutes, you led team. You. Um, you had an early-season fight with Chris Neal, and it seemed after a certain point, the fight was still going on, but he's ye- he was like yelling at the officials, like waving his arms that they didn't break it up, but it was an odd thing to see because it wasn't like at the end of the fight, or at the end of a lot of fights where you see the officials come in it just seemed like an odd thing for him to do do you remember him doing that?
1: Was that in Atlanta? Uh Yes, I believe so Yeah, so um I've had many runs in with Chris. he's another guy with a cement head that you couldn't hurt. So I I teed up on him that one fight. I hit him so many times square in the face and he was just smiling at me. Yeah. Um, that's just the type of guy he was. He's uh he's a tough guy, but um I think he might have been a little bit mad that uh I got the better of him in that fight. So that's probably chirping the rest or something.
0: Yeah, like I said, it was just weird because he was very like the fight's still going on and he's like waving You know, waving his arms around, like, wanting them to break it up. But, yeah, I mean, I guess if he was winning the fight, probably wouldn't have uh, wanted the refs to jump in. Makes sense.
1: Yeah. Um, He was was a guy that had unbelievable balance. You know, a rock head that he couldn't Mm -hmm. hurt that would just throw both hands. He was uh, was a tough guy, man. Yeah, Very underrated, for sure. There was a game against Buffalo where...
0: you ended up in a in an incident with Nolan Pratt and Jason Palminville. Did something happen yeah. where, you, where you just snapped? What was uh, what was behind that?
1: Well, like I said, when you go, obviously when you play your former team, you're all fired up. Yeah. And that game, I felt. I mean, I had my bags. I was just flying around. I was hitting like, hitting guys, and I had to chip my shoulder. And I had I don't think I had anybody on the ice that could do anything about it in that game. Not um, those two. <laughs> No, so like I kind of hit. Uh, we still, me and Palmer still laugh about it today. But mm. I give uh, Palmer a little shot in the, in the boards, and Pratt comes in and I drop in. Palmer, Palmerville comes over, I take a swing at him, and then my old roommate uh, Brian Campbell comes in and I gave him a, <laughs> a few shots too.
0: <laughs> so it was he just that, that, that. You,
1: it was just that you were fired up, is what you're saying. Oh uh, yeah, I was just fired up. Just you know, you go back to play your own team. Yeah, I got you. That uh, was pretty funny though. Uh, later that
0: season, another amazing fight with Eric Goddard. Um, yeah, you've already spoken about him. Uh, you fought Jeff Cowan of Vancouver. You did very well in that fight. Do
1: uh, you remember fighting Jeff? Yep, yeah, I remember that. Um, I think we might have fought in the minors. Uh, mm-hmm. Was he in Fred? Was he in uh, Was he in Fredericton before? I don't
0: think so, but I could be wrong. Because Fredericton, I think, was gone by that time. All
1: right. Well, I think I fought in the minors before too. But yeah. Yeah. I uh, he, listen. He was another. He was a middleweight trying to uh to stay in the league too. Yeah. So, um, ended up doing really well in that fight.
0: Now, next season, uh, yeah, you, you play for Coach John Anderson, who, um, he he's a guy that you know some guys. They get certain breaks and everything. John Anderson is a guy who paid his dues in the minors, coaching at I think many different levels. Um, did you get? Did you like playing for John?
1: I loved playing for John. Yeah, mm-hmm. he was—he just the nicest guy. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe to his downfall, maybe a little too nice. Yeah, at times. But uh, you know, if you're if you're a character guy and you want to go to the wall for him, then mm-hmm. you'll play the right way. Um, I just don't think we had enough guys on the team that would um, play that way. So yeah. they kind of took advantage of it a little bit. Maybe it could have been a little bit harder on the guys. But uh, what a great guy and uh, a good coach. Yeah, when I, when I was doing research for this
0: and uh, watching the videos and they showed him on the bench, I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot. That. that was his first NHL gig. And, you know, I just remember him just, like I said, paid his dues in the minors for sure. Guy was a great hockey player when he played uh, you know back in the day and I was Yes, like, he, he was. Yeah, and like I just for a second I'm like, oh, I feel pretty good, you know, this is a guy like he just the perseverance that that he had where he never I'm sure. I mean, coaching, I think you have to love it to do it because the hours are are pretty intense and everything. And when I saw him in the video, I'm like, oh, it's pretty cool. I forgot he got his uh opportunity with Atlanta, so that was good to see and I'm glad like you say you enjoyed playing for him. Oh, um, yeah, he was great. Yeah. He was great. So, again, we got some familiar names on your card here. Uh, early season fight with uh, Colt Mora. Again, like you say, your fights were just wars. Um, you had a two fight game against the Bruins. So, fighting Thorny, I guess, wasn't enough. You wanted to fight Thorny and Milan Lucic. You remember that fight? But, but the whole game, you know, fighting those
1: two guys in one game is not easy. No, I remember that. Um, yeah, I me and Thorny had a good one. then I think Lucic's. Uh... He was an up-and-comer, yeah, at the time, and uh, you know so he made a name for himself pretty quick. And I think he finished ahead on me, and I kind of chased him down the ice a little bit. And he he obliged and uh, ended up getting down the ice. Uh, it wasn't a it wasn't a long fight, yeah. but um, I lucked out in that one because he's a, he's a tough dude. Yeah. Well,
0: this is a after that there was a guy that you ended up having quite a few run-ins, and I think this was the first time. Uh, Mike Rupp, who was with New Jersey. Uh, and in this game, you had a few run-ins with him. And, and there was, a, at one point in the game, it appeared that you guys were having a heated exchange after the first fight. And uh, But I couldn't read your lips that well in that one. Uh, do you remember what, what you were so pissed about?
1: Yeah, so I think we fought. Was that a two-fight game? Yeah. Yeah, so the first fight, I believe... When I went down on the ice, he came down on top of me, um, and shattered my nose with an elbow. Oh no. Okay. So that's, that's what I thought. Yeah. And, uh, to this day, um, he's like, no, I didn't mean to do that. I just mm-hmm. came down on top of you. So he called me like that. He knew I was pissed. So he called me the next day and apologized. And, uh, so we were good. Yeah. Um, but that's why I was so fired up, and then we ended up. I went right after him, to to fight him again. Mm-hmm. Uh, two other guys that you fought this
0: season, uh, you had a couple of. I mean, every fight this guy has, it seems like it's slugfest. Uh, Riley Cote of the Flyers. You had two really good slugfests with him. You remember fighting Riley?
1: Yep, yeah, definitely. He was uh, he was another guy, a young guy trying to make a name for himself, and he he was. Uh, he was doing well in his fights. He was, he was beating some guys up. Yeah. Um, so he's another guy that I asked to fight, um, in Philly. And he's like, no, I can't. I'm like, come on, please. And he did it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so apparently you just have to say, please. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we had, me and him had, uh, uh a few good, uh, tussles there in Atlanta. Uh, and then the last fight this
0: season I want to ask you about, uh guy that played one season here with the Islanders he had a really really good season here but at this point is with Tampa and that's Zenin uh, Zen and Kanopka he's another guy with tremendous stamina he doesn't like to stop and uh, you remember having your first fight with
1: him yeah I do he was uh, Kanopka was one of those guys you you, you hated right yeah. so mm-hmm. he's uh, he isn't paying the butt out there so <laughs> um, uh, he was uh, another guy not that big but he was a smart fighter and he could take a punch so he'd hang on and drive you crazy and trying and to get moves so he'd hang on and um, yeah it's not uh, not too much to write home about, about that fight yeah. but it was it was a long one he definitely yeah. hung in there mm-hmm. well I think I,
0: I the rule that I made for myself with this show is that uh, when the the guy I'm interviewing fights a guy who played with the Islanders at, you know even if it wasn't a great fight I still have to ask and you know, like I said, yeah. Z, Z was here only one season, but over 300 penalty minutes, that was a fun season uh, as a fan. So uh, so I had to ask you about that. Um, moving on to the next season, uh, it's funny because I, I in the notes that I made, it's, it's you see the same names over and over again. You know, this season, again, Sean Thornton, again, Eric Goddard. Um, we also fought Andrew Peters two more times. He had moved on to New Jersey. Uh, so was – I know the last time you fought him, you said you were looking for it. Uh, were you looking for it again? Is this the kind of thing where every time you played him, you wanted to fight him? Or at a certain point, did it just become uh, something that happened in the course of the game?
1: Yeah. The, the revenge thing was, was kind of over at that point. Mm-hmm. I mean, in, me and Peter are friends today. We have yeah. a good relationship. Even even when we played, um, I was rooting for him. And, uh, like I said, we're still friends today. So it was more of a, uh, just doing our jobs there was nothing uh, uh particular about those fights yeah um, all right so moving on to the next season and i'm
0: glad we got to this one because i have to ask you about something uh that uh i read in an old hockey news article but before we get to that uh as i said when you fight an, an ex-islander um and this guy ended up being your tag team partner here for a little bit uh your first fight of the season was against uh matt karkner tough guy uh, and I think that was, I don't know if you fought him any other times, maybe once more uh, but what was it like fighting Matt?
1: So, he was uh, considered like one of the toughest guys in the league at that point yeah. and uh, we're really good friends to this day mm-hmm. um, obviously playing together in Long Island but yeah. he um, the first fight we had, it ended quick and uh, he got the jump on me and he cracked me with one and I went down mm-hmm. and um, I think it might have been you know, maybe a month later, we went to Ottawa, and I, I was I was a little bit more ready for the fight. And if you know if you know Karks, if you grab his right arm, he'll throw left. If you grab his left arm, he'll throw right. So yeah. um, I kind of tied up his uh, his right arm, got situated, and I started uh, throwing my rights, and he went lefty, and um, I got uh, I got lucky on him and uh, cracked me a few times, and, and he went down. So we uh, we still joke about that one Mm
0: -hmm. yeah no it was and like I said speaking for myself and I'm sure a lot of Islander fans having you two guys here and and it's really a credit to both of you guys because you know as we'll touch on later um the game was in the middle of the transition where it was kind of going away from that and the fact that you and Karks ended up playing as long as you did is really a credit to both of you and I'm happy that you were both here uh, with the Islanders, you guys were a nice little combo there for uh, for a few seasons. It was a lot um, of fun watching you guys.
1: And- he, you have no idea what it's like to have Matt Harker on defense. Yeah, <laughs> that's just, mm-hmm. as the other heavyweight on the team. Yeah. I mean, it's just, that's such a good feeling, and uh, what a great teammate uh, he was. Good friend to this day. Yeah. He's uh, he was as tough as they can He had oh, yeah. we worked out together in the summers. We boxed together. He uh, he had some heavy hands.
0: So did he, he, he. did uh, did Matt know how to work out, or did you have to show him like you show Greener?
1: Well, if you ever see Carson with his shirt off, he, uh, <laughs> you know that guy's like a physical specimen. Yeah. he's freaking ripped. Oh, yeah. So, yeah,
0: yeah, um, No, uh, no, no issues there. <laughs> so another guy you fought, another former Islander, another tough defenseman, John Erskine. Uh, I mean, again, similar to that Denny Lambert fight where you guys were just literally throwing cinder blocks. This fight you guys really I, I think I had my jaw dropped when I was watching this fight, just you really both of you looked like you were trying to take each other's heads off. Do you remember that fight against Erskine?
1: Oh, definitely. He uh he's a he's a big guy too and he's so wide open. He yeah. just rose from down under. He just tries to rip your head off with every every punch. And I was doing the same thing, we just let it go. And uh, it was I think it was fight of the year that year. I'm not surprised. But, uh, <laughs>
2: not surprised. Yeah, no, we
1: just, we just stood back and tried to punch his other face off. It was great. Uh,
0: does the date December 18th, 2010, mean anything to you? No. Fill me in. <laughs> you happen to have an NHL hat trick. Oh, is that the date? That's the date. I should, I should know that. Well, you know it now. I mean, when you think about how many players who have played the game and how many players who have never scored a hat trick, uh and you know the funny story is whenever you hear about an athlete like a pitcher talking about oh i felt like shit in the warm-up and then they go out and throw a no hitter uh was there anything different about that day like that i mean it's not often that a tough guy scores a hat trick and there you go scoring a hat trick against new jersey do you, i mean you have to remember that whole game i would
1: imagine oh i definitely remember that um that was the year I was playing with Jim Slater and Chris Thorburn and we had, um, uh, a really effective fourth line and, uh, Craig Ramsey was a coach at the time and he, he played us. I mean, he was putting us out there against Crosby's line and Ovechkin's line. We were kind of like a checking line. So that was like the first year that I got a, a, a bigger role. I was playing a lot of minutes and, um, he trusted us. So we were out there all the time. So, uh, we had success and, um, you know, obviously, if you watch the hat trick, it's the prettiest hat trick you ever see. It's pretty entertaining, actually. But um, All three goals are scored from the exact same spot, uh, right on the goal line. But um, No, it was just hard-working, effective, grinding out hockey, and I got lucky there at, uh, in the last one when Moose uh, Hedberg misplayed the puck for the for the third one. Now, after you get your
0: second goal, now everybody knows that you know the the enforcer the tough guy he's always one of the more popular guys in the room and when a, when an enforcer gets two goals in a game you know the whole bench wants you to get that third goal so was that was it similar a similar situation after you score that second goal is everyone on the bench trying to say we got to set you up for the hat trick
1: no i think it was the opposite i think it was <laughs> he got one he got lucky on a second there's no way he's getting third three so my, my family was all at the game um, I think uh, my wife and my two older kids were at the game and after I scored my first goal she would always take the kids home early
2: because they were little
1: right? Yeah. so after my first goal she's like alright we can leave now so she's getting, she's getting in, the, uh, in her car in the parking garage and she's listening to it on the radio and I score the second goal and the kids are like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe he, <laughs> we left. Yeah. She's like, well, all right, well, he's got two. There's no way he's getting another one. So on the car ride home, it's like a 45-minute uh, ride home, I, I score my hat trick. so um, It's pretty funny that they left, but we joke
0: about it today. Well, the picture that's uh, online of you sitting in your locker with the pucks and all the hats behind you, that is a classic picture. I hope you have a copy of that. Oh, I do. Yeah, I do. That's a great picture, yeah. Uh, all right, so this is what I wanted to ask you about. Uh, I believe it was Chris Thorberg told this story. It's about a game called Stupid Monkey. And, uh...
1: Stupid Money.
0: Oh, Stupid Money, right. Yep, Stupid Money. And he referenced a dinner one night at a Philadelphia steakhouse. Do you know the story that he was talking about?
1: Yes, I know it well.
0: Could you Could you tell everybody?
1: Well, the Stupid Money um started in Buffalo actually. Okay. Where like Chris Grattan and JP Dumont and these guys they'd uh they dare me to do things for money and I'd do it and they'd pay me and I was like, hey, I I played in the East Coast League a year and a half ago. I'm gonna do whatever I can for a couple extra bucks, right? So yeah. um so that's that's where it kinda started, but there was uh the one Thorburn's talking about it's uh, like Thorburn, Kovachok and those guys are at dinner and, we're at a steakhouse and I went to uh, the bathroom and I came back and this particular steakhouse had like a big baskets of uh, old baked potatoes that were raw this one was bigger than a wine bottle so I take it and I slam it on the table I'm like how much boys and they're uh, they're like I got a hundred I got a hundred I got a hundred I'm like okay I'm doing it so um, I ate a massive raw potato um took me 45 minutes to eat it huh. but, uh, that's that's what he's uh, referring to the stupid money
0: yeah and then is it true that after that gigantic raw potato you downed a 40 ounce steak also <laughs> yes that is true god you're my hero that's amazing so is that <laughs> you
1: can't let it go to waste no have of course
0: bread. not dinner. I have to eat it. so is that so is the giant potato the craziest thing you've ever eaten in this game since obviously it, it it's something that if you didn't start it, you perfected it. So if you've played it multiple times, was there anything crazier than the giant potato?
1: Uh, there was a million of them. I mean, I would, I'd be the, inner. if I wasn't playing that night at the pregame meals at the hotel, mm. the, you know, for entertainment at lunch, the guys would be daring me to do stuff. So, I mean, there was, there's plenty of them. I would eat these huge, uh, like trays full of fruit, um, not a big deal to eat fruit, but it was a lot of it. It took yep. me a long time. They'd all, they'd all chip in or, like, eating 18, 18 hard-boiled eggs in 10, 10 minutes, like, stuff wow. like that. They were just, even the coaches were watching. They were laughing. <laughs> you, know, you, it, you know, it's a long season, so, yeah. you know, if I'm not playing that night and I can uh, entertain the boys and take their mind off the game a little bit and relax them and make a couple of extra bucks, it was worth it. That's tremendous. That's unbelievable. But that was that was like every other day. I mean, got to a point, got to a point where I had to stop. (laughs) (laughs) So, so similar to when you you
0: fight all the thrashers and then you end up fighting, uh, you end up signing with Atlanta. Excuse me. Uh, You scored a hat trick against New Jersey, and then uh, do you think Jersey signed you to be a
1: power forward, or how'd you end up signing with them? Uh, Well, my first meeting with Lou, he made that sure. Uh, to be known that we're not signing you for, because you're a goal scorer. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like Lou that was his first sentence out of his mouth yeah. but, uh, no I just uh, you know what I had a good game against him uh, I always played well against Jersey and always fought the tough guys and uh, Lou flew me in for uh, a meeting to uh, to interview me to see if he wanted to sign me at a two year uh, two-year contract after the, after the meeting with him um, Obviously, Lou is uh, a guy that loves his uh, physical players, and uh, I fit in. And then um, ended up only playing one season there and getting, uh, they bought me out the next year, and that's how I ended up in Long Island. Well, the season with New Jersey, you played with uh,
0: two characters. One guy who he's pretty prominent now in the podcast game is Cam Jansen. And, uh, oh, yeah. Cam actually, uh, he just had uh, Lou on his show. And it was, it was funny listening to him talk about uh, getting Lou on the show, and he just basically said he goes, you know, basically he felt like a little kid again, and he was so nervous to have Lou on the show. And oh, he was probably scared to death. Yeah, he had, he said he was. He said he was petrified to have him on the show, and even when you listened to it, uh, you could tell it was just, you know, the thing about Lou is obviously being in the area, you know, Long Island it, with Lou with the Devils, we got all their games, and they're always in the papers and I, I mean it almost seems like there's not a better guy to have in your corner like if Lou loves you that's a guy to have love you because he just seems like he looks out for you and takes care of you
1: I mean yeah you said it to a T he's a he's an absolute loyal guy mm-hmm. um, he respects the guys that go to work and do the right thing every day and um, you do your job he'll uh, he'll reward you so it's definitely a one of those guys that are still loyal in the game.
0: It's good because, you know, there are so many guys who can be tough on players, but they they do it in a certain way where there seems to be some animosity. And I, I, To a man, every time I hear someone that played for Lou, they always say the same things. He was tough, but he was fair, and I knew he had my best interest in mind. And, and I mean, like I said, like we talk about with Harvey, where at least he was honest with you, I guess playing for a guy like Lamarillo, who he basically tells you like it is he's tough but fair there really isn't much more you can ask for
1: no that's a, that's what every player wants yeah. it's just honest honesty and um know where you stand you don't want to be second guessing yourself uh the whole year long and uh he's a straight shooter and obviously very respected in the game and for uh, a lot of reasons and um like you said before um He's a loyal guy. He knows what he's doing. you got to trust the process. And he's all about team, team, team. Uh, the individual is, uh, is out of the equation. So that's why he's uh, had the success. Your first fight that year
0: uh, was a really
1: good fight against a guy named Doug Murray of the Sharks. you remember that one? I do. I broke my hand on his big head. Did you really? Yes. I, I missed like two months that year because I cracked him so hard and he played he ended up playing like 19 minutes that game oh wow oh I yeah know he, he, he has a hard head wow okay but uh yeah i got uh i ended up knocking him looked like i knocked him out but he got right up and i ended yeah. up uh playing the rest of the game but i had a broken hand so i missed uh missed some time there well when you came back uh you know devils it's always weird
0: because i think you know they have a good rivalry with the rangers but then the rivalry with philadelphia is pretty good too and there was one night center Rice at the Rock. You and Joey Shelley went at it. You remember that one?
1: Yep, I remember that one. Yep. Another Maritiner, another yeah. awesome guy that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what? That guy came a long way. You look at him and uh, back home, and when he's playing midget hockey, That guy can barely skate. Yeah. He just he just worked and worked and worked and another character guy that worked his way up and did what he had to do. Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, he's got to be
0: an icon in Columbus, I would imagine.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, no, yeah. He he uh he uh makes that home now. He's obviously doing the the TV stuff. He's done well for himself. I'm very happy for him.
0: So there were a couple of incidents uh, this season with the Rangers. So um, at MSG, we got a double main event here uh, to start the game. We got uh, you fighting Brandon Prust, who you had fought already, I think, once before. And uh, Cam Jansen's fighting Mike Rupp. So uh, this was the first of two uh, brawls you had with the Rangers that year. Do you remember the first one where you went with Preston?
1: I do. Um, the, the Devils, uh, that year, we, we just hated each other. I mean, and uh, me and Cam knew. Uh, we had to set the, set the tone for the, for the year. And um, everyone just hates the Rangers. Yeah. It is what it is. You just want to beat them. You want to yeah. beat them up. You want to beat them on the scoreboard. Um, mm-hmm. There's always extra mo- motivation when you play them. and uh, that just so happened. I, we didn't have that planned or anything. We just yeah. dropped the gloves at the same time. That was definitely not planned. So, mm-hmm. end up being uh, simultaneous. And then, uh, your last fight of the season also was at MSG.
0: This was the, the line roll. Uh, you and Cam actually switched partners. Uh, you ended up with Rupp. He ended up with Prust. And, uh, Carter fought Bickle in that one also so was this one planned or again did it just happen or uh,
1: once again not planned at all right. mm-hmm. um, we knew we were starting yeah um, we sent our lineup in first and then uh, they come back with those guys so once we get out there I'm like okay um, I'll take pros you take Rupp. yeah they had the they wanted the other way around they wanted me to fight Rob and Preston fight Jansen. So if you look at it, we're, we're trying to situate before the puck drops, and we're going back and forth. We keep switching back and forth, and finally the rest like, come on, guys. I'm like, all right, I guess I'm fighting Rob."
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So um, Ryan Carter was our center. We had no idea that Bickle was taking the draw. I had no idea. Right. Uh, I was more concentrated on my guy. Yeah. And then um, I look over, and we're all squaring off. So uh, Carter had no idea what he's getting himself into either. Yeah, right, right. Um,
0: so you said you signed two years with Jersey they bought you out after one Um, and the reason why you're on the show uh, well two reasons one obviously because you're you're tough as nails, tough as everything but the one requirement to be on the show is you have to have some tie to the Islander organization and after your one year in New Jersey you end up signing with the Islanders so uh, who who did your agent know that uh, talked with the Islanders to get you over
1: here he Called Gar Snow the next day, and Snowy said, "I'll sign him to I'll sign him right now." So, um, I thought it was done. After getting you know, being at my age and um, getting bought out, I thought it was done. And then yeah. Snowy took uh, a chance on me, which I uh, will always be grateful for. Um, and the rest is history. I kind of made the uh, Long Island home. Yeah. Well, that first
0: season, 15 games, 36 penalty minutes. Even if, even though you only played 15 games, you're still fourth on the team in penalty minutes. So, 2012-13 was a far cry from some. Well, of that was those, a lockout year, though. I know, but still, you're still fourth on the team.
1: 15 games, that's good for me. lock for lockout year.
0: Oh no, I'm not even talking about. <laughs> I'm not even talking about the games. I'm talking about the fact that with only 36 minutes, you were still fourth on the team, and just how the game oh, yeah. how the game had changed. From when you first started, where you could get 36 minutes in a game, and now you're getting it yeah. in 15 games. But, uh, but you played 15 games, you had four fights. Uh, Chris Barch, all, all four fights were, were pretty good showings. Uh, Chris Barch of New Jersey, uh, you fought Asham. Again, he's wearing the bad guy colors now with the Rangers. Uh, George Paros, uh, Florida, obviously, we, we'll talk about the Montreal fight, but he was in Florida at the time. And another good scrap of Colt Orr. So, uh, you made all your fights count that year, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, I did. Well, the Bart's, the Barch one was, they signed him after they bought me out, so I was coming after him for sure. Okay. Um, uh, um, so that was kind of like a, you know, trying to make a statement there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I ran into big George down in Florida, ended up doing pretty well against him. I think he might have hurt his shoulder in that fight. I think he went down mm-hmm. uh, awkwardly there, but... He was a, uh, he was a tough guy. And then obviously me and Colton or just, uh, besides that first fight we had, every, everyone was, a you know, a punch in the face contest. Yeah.
0: And, and Ash, and he just wanted to fight him
1: because he's wearing that ugly uniform, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, no, Ash is just the guy that's a gamer. Oh, no. And You know what? You don't have to ask him twice, he'll fight you. Yeah. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't care. He's no, crazy. No. But, no. uh, um, I don't even know how that one started, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't remember.
0: But now, um, so that year it was pretty much you and, and Matt Karkner. Matt Martin was there. Um, next season, it was you and Kark's again. Matt Martin's still there. There were, uh, Brett Gallant had, uh, had signed with the team. And uh, obviously, I think he was signed to, to play Bridgeport. But he did play a few games with, uh, with the Islanders. And uh, Justin Johnson, uh, actually, I think he's, I think everyone will remember him for the, uh, the John Scott KO. Um, yeah, yeah, Even though John, John Scott, I think says he only lost one fight in his career. He doesn't count that one. I don't know why, but uh, if I'm not mistaken, I don't know, but, uh, but that was a good scrap. So, uh, you definitely weren't alone, uh, that year. And like I say, you and Cartner are always a great tag team, but that was, um, that was the, uh, year that the best fourth line in hockey was assembled with, uh, Marty and uh, clutterbuck and Zizekas. so that was similar I mean for someone like yourself you, you were on a similar line in Atlanta. uh what's your opinion on those guys and the, and the job that they do
1: I mean they're the heart and soul of the uh the team if they're not if they're not going they're not together the team's not the same mm-hmm. um, they can you know they can start every period they can finish every period they can play against the top lines or fourth lines they just they know their role. They accept it, and they. Uh, it's it's really. I mean, the other two, Clutterbuck and uh, Martin are the are the big bangers on, on the on the wings. But if you watch Casey is his uh, his motor just doesn't stop, and he, yeah. he he really is the heart and soul of the team. He drives the engine. And, um, can't say enough about all three of those guys.
0: Um, I'm currently doing a project for the show where I want to come up with like the ultimate top ten for the Islanders. figured the easiest way to do that and probably the more fun way for myself is i'm going position by position coming up with a top 10 at position and while i'm doing my research what i i didn't know and it's crazy but matt martin actually has the fourth most fighting majors in the history of the team i didn't know that and i I learned that when i was doing my research so i you know for a guy and and marty's a guy that can play i mean he could play take a regular shift but if you think about the history of the Islanders, he actually has the fourth most fighting majors with with the organization.
1: Yeah, Marty. Marty's been there a long time. Yeah,
0: yeah, and, yep. and, and so uh, yeah, on. he's been there a
1: long time. He does his job. Um, he's uh, he can play a regular shift. He can chip in. He's uh, very responsible defensively. Um, all the word for all three of those guys is you know they're reliable right so you know what you're going to get from every shift in shift out
0: Uh, that season you had two pretty good fights with Jay
1: Rosehill who was with the Flyers at the time do you remember those fights yeah I do Um, ended up doing really well in the first one Mm -hmm. and um, he kind of was looking for the second one and and, um, it was a toe to toe fight ended up slipping at the end falling down and kind of bugged me a little bit because he pumped his hands up like yeah. he beat me up or something but uh it's all good but yeah, yeah he was uh he's another guy that uh was a, a tricky guy he, yeah uh, through both hands he so was, he's was a, he a gamer too so this
0: season was the season where you had the rematch with uh george paros that uh worked out very well in your favor uh probably i guess the signature fight you had uh with the islanders
1: uh you remember the whole sequence of events in the fight with george in the rematch yeah, I do. I I wasn't getting in the lineup much uh, at that point. I was getting pretty old, so any chance I got in, I had to do something, right? So, um, asked George, and he uh, he obliged, and um, it was a good fight. You know, I, he's a big, big, long guy, so you have to, you know, weather the storm early. And um, he lost, he lost his grip, and uh, kind of turned his head, and I got uh, I got a good right hand in, in on him, and um, knocked him down. So. It was uh it was a good fight, but uh, didn't wanna didn't wanna make sure I uh I heard him, but uh, um hats hats off to him. He had a great career too and what a tough guy he was.
0: So when you think back to early parts of your career playing in some of those East Coast League arenas, um, and and you're working with the NHL, do you ever think you find yourself playing on the ice at Yankee Stadium? Now you didn't play in the game but you did. You practiced on it. What What was that experience like? Because obviously, it's the biggest place you've ever played in. Uh,
1: when you're skating on the ice and you look up and you Yankee Stadium, what's that like? Well, I did. Uh, I did pregame warmup out there. It was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, we actually got scratched. Me and Carkner got scratched last minute. Actually, um, there was a particular player that they were trying to trade, so they wanted to play him. And I kind of took it on the chin. I wasn't happy about that, but yeah. me and uh, Matt Carkner were in the hot tub watching the game in the Yankees <laughs> locker room, so
0: <laughs>
1: not bad. Yeah, that was our night. Yeah. I
0: mean, well it's, I didn't know I, didn't, I wasn't sure if I knew you didn't play, but I wasn't sure if you would taken the warm-up. but I'm assuming for that game, uh, you know a lot of times playing games and warm-ups maybe you get a few thousand people watching the warm-ups, but I'm assuming for that game. The stadium had to have a pretty good crowd for the warm-up because it's just such a new experience for so many people. So you're taking the warm-up and you're looking around Yankee Stadium. That had to not it had to be pretty intense, I would think.
1: I mean, yeah, it was obviously those outdoor games. Yankee Stadium was the next level. So um, I kind of knew I was getting scratched that game, so I wasn't too gun ho about it. But you know, looking around the size, the fans, uh, it was a great, great experience nonetheless a great atmosphere.
0: So now we get to the part of the interview that I really want to I mean, obviously I wanted to ask you about all this stuff, but there's uh, definitely something I wanted to ask you about. Um, in the playoffs that season, there was an incident with Washington where uh, Tom Wilson basically cheap-shotted uh, Lubomir uh ran him head first for the boards, ended his career. Uh, you weren't playing in the playoffs. So next season comes around, and in an exhibition game, uh, you basically chased Tom Wilson around, and he wanted no part of you so um, he i I had respect for Tom Wilson before that um, and if he would have fought you, not that I respect him for what he did to Lubo, but at least if he would have fought you and, and uh, answered the bell, I could respect him a little a little more uh, for myself I don't respect him at all uh, and I'm not saying fighting you is a great thing to do either because obviously I don't want to fight you but. It's part of the gig and if you're going to end someone's career when it's time to answer the bell, you have to answer the bell. And, um, you know, he didn't want to fight you. He, he, I think Scotty Mayfield went after him. He, he declined that too. And uh, I, I, after the game, one of the things he said is, I just don't think there's any point in me fighting those guys. Uh, Bolton didn't play it all last year. He's probably not going to play it all this year. I'm trying to use these preseason games to get ready for the year. I know there's always going to be that physical part of my game, but there's just no need for me to take that guy unless he's running around and taking advantage of our guys. Now, your quote, I think, was better. Uh, You said, he kept turning me down. He wasn't interested. He was scared to death. So um, if you don't mind, like, take me through. So you know that day you're playing Washington. You know you're going to be in the lineup, and you, you know what he did to Lubo. So what's your mindset going into that game?
1: I mean, retribution. Yeah. I mean, he had to be uh, held accountable, and um, I thought for sure after that that he would he would step up and fight. And when he didn't, and I was like shocked. Mm-hmm. And then I actually ran him a couple of times. I knocked him over a couple of times, and I was going after him the whole game. And he still wouldn't do it. I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? Some of these young kids, they don't they don't get that. They don't yeah. get the the code. Um, you're better off just to drop your gloves, throw me, you know, hang on, throw me down. At least you did it, right? At least you got it over with. Like, um, but yeah, I mean, everyone loved Lubo. Great guy. To see him get injured like that, and to see him taking liberties and, and not answering the bell was definitely, uh, definitely uh, got heated, and we definitely uh, were ticked off at uh, Wilson and. You know, I had to do my job. I wanted to go out and uh, settle the score, and it's unfortunate he wouldn't do it. But um, I wanted to let him know, and uh, it is what it is. Well, some some guys some guys will some guys will stand up, and some guys won't. Well, as, as an
0: Islander fan and a fan of the role, you know, I could tell you that I know we all appreciated you uh, trying to go in and uh, you know basically defend Blue honor and just be a great teammate. I think the other part of the equation that annoys me about Wilson is he didn't want to fight you, he didn't want to fight Mayfield, but uh, he had no problem fighting Anders Lee. And I love Anders Lee. I mean, he's the captain, and he's, he's hard-nosed, he's gritty, and, he, you know, I think in, in today's NHL, he ends up fighting just as much as anybody on the team, I think, except for Ross. But when you wanted to fight, he couldn't be bothered. He couldn't do it. I mean, like, say, I think, you know, scared to death. He didn't want to fight Scotty either but Anders comes calling and he has no problem dropping gloves. And I, that that completes the equation for me, how, how the whole thing is just an irritant because it's not that he didn't want to fight. He didn't, you know, he didn't want to be held accountable. He just didn't want to be held accountable to a guy that, you know, might take him to task. You know, it's easier to fight an Andrews Lee than an Eric Bolton. And I mean, everybody knows that, but uh, you know, like I say, it's not like, like guys that when you were coming up, you knew you'd have to answer the bell at certain points. And, you, couldn't, you didn't pick or choose who you fought. You know, you couldn't go, well, I'm not going to fight the heavyweight. I'm going to fight the fifth toughest guy on the team. And uh, like you say, I think a lot of the younger guys, they don't get it. And I think that's part of the reason why I don't respect him at all. And it's part of the reason why I love Ross Johnson to death. I think he, you know, in a new school game, I think he played old school
1: style. Yeah, yeah, Ross definitely does. Ross yeah. gets it. Yeah. He's uh, another, another Maritimer that, uh, and, uh, you know, an interesting uh, road to the NHL, and he. Um, I mean, I played with him at Bridgeport my last year. When I, was, I wasn't really playing down there, but I was kind of like helping the kids out. I'd mm-hmm. wrestle him after after practice, and I've never, I've never met besides Larocque. I've never wrestled a stronger guy than him. He yeah. is a freak of nature. How strong mm-hmm. he is! Yeah. And um, he's going to be. He'll be the toughest guy in the league for, for years to come, for sure. The guys, well, an absolute monster.
0: And and just to you know, speak a bit on that. So you know, everybody knows it's not like it used to be. There's only a handful of guys in the league that can kind of even make that claim. I think the guy that everyone kind of agrees on right now, that's the top dog, is Ryan Reeves. And what did Ross Johnson do? The first, I mean, first time they played this past season at the Coliseum, Johnson's challenging him, challenging him, and Reeves just like, "Who are you?" Whatever. And then right away in the game in Vegas, they square off and they go. I mean for someone like myself, like I hope Ross plays here 10 years. Like I love that kid. I'm I'm so pumped that he's here. And, but I'm also pumped that he actually gets it. Well, I think Ross gets it. I think Reeves gets it. I don't think a guy like Wilson gets it. And I just, you know, I feel so fortunate. Islanders always seem to come through with keeping a tough guy or two on the roster. And, you know, like my yeah. big my biggest fear right now is that Ross gets picked up by Seattle. I, I hope that doesn't happen, but, uh, that's what I'm afraid of, but uh, I'm I'm usually wrong, so hopefully I'm wrong on this one too.
1: Well, Ross has had some uh, some good mentors too. He's had Carkner yeah. in Bridgeport. He's had Brent Thompson in Bridgeport. Yeah. He had, he's had me. He's had Eric Herons, uh player development. Yeah. And you know For, for if he doesn't do that, he's not going to play in the NHL. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy's a good hockey player. Yeah. He actually has good hands. He's responsible. He's good defensively. He uh, he actually can play the game, yeah. um, but what separates him from the next guy is how tough he is and yeah. uh, how intimidating he is. And so, um, once he realized, okay, I got to do this uh, once in a while. I got to be that guy. He can contribute in all areas of the game. He can yeah. he can put the odd goal in. He's got uh, he's great coming out of his zone, getting pucks off the wall, and making plays. And I tell you what, the guy can play hockey. He's just a big boy that can fight too. So. How did the, the next season where you ended up playing six
0: games? Um, I mean, at the beginning of the season, did you end up talking with, with the coaches or whatever? And did they basically tell you, look, you're not going to play that much? But, you know, listen, I, I think it really speaks a lot to your character and and the player that you are, you know, not just on the ice, but off the ice and in the room that you were you stayed on and you didn't play a lot of games, but every year you were here. And like I said, I think that's a credit to to the char- your character. But did you did they basically talk to you before every season where you weren't going to play that much and basically let you know that?
1: I mean, yeah, at that point, I mean, yeah. I'm pushing I'm pushing forty at that point, so yeah. I would just go in I would go in the office and talk to uh, Gar Snow, mm-hmm. um one on one and be like, okay, what's the deal? I'll yeah. I'll do whatever it ta- I'll do whatever it takes to. To, to stay in the HL and to stay on this team. I want to help any way I can. Yeah. So, um, I'll, whether I play two games or, you know, 50 games, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to be ready every time you put me in. And, yeah. I think, I think he knew that. He think, because, there was a lot of seasons in my career where I did get scratched, but I always stayed ready. Yeah. And, there's not a lot of guys that can take 20 games off and throw you back in and and do your job. So, yeah. I was pretty good at that. So, And obviously, just being uh, the ultimate teammate and being um, a character guy, and keeping guys loose. And when you do get in there, do your job. And um, he really didn't have a reason not to sign me. You know, Um, it was uh, I was an easy extra guy to to have around. If he needed toughness, he'd throw me in. If he didn't, I I was happy. Just uh, um, you know, not happy being scratched, but you know, I accepted it. I accepted it, and I didn't. uh, I didn't make any waves. Now, of course, that season, like I said, you played six games, you have two penalty minutes, and of
0: course, it, you got two penalty minutes going after Wilson again, right? Yeah. <laughs> of course. Yeah. And again, he didn't want any part of it, so I guess it's just fitting that the final two penalty minutes of uh, your regular season penalty minutes of your career uh, were against Tom Wilson. I think that's comical, because he still didn't want any part of you. Like you said, you push at 40, I mean, I've seen Tom Wilson, he's... he's a big dude, he's in great shape, but still he doesn't wanna he doesn't wanna take on the old grizzled veteran. Yeah, what so. what better time to fight when I'm forty <laughs> years old. Yeah. But uh so the next season comes and um I guess your last fight your last fight in an Islanders uniform, uh, fittingly for someone that played the role for so long, uh, you were coming to the defense of a teammate in an exhibition game against the Rangers when you had a fight with Tanner Glass.
1: Do you remember that? I do remember. Yeah. I do remember that, yeah. He got a uh, early punching on me. He broke my, uh, I think he broke my cheek on an Early punch. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't even know it was broken until like two weeks later. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, I remember that fight. Yeah. So, another Tanner was another guy that we all hated. We wanted to always uh, go after him.
0: <laughs> well, I think that was your last fight, correct? You didn't have, like, say so you got you got hurt in the fight and then. Uh, how does it work out after the exhibition games that year where you end up uh, in Bridgeport? Uh, you played two games down there. One assist, by the way, so you scored in half your games. Um, so how does that end up? How does it end up where you're down there? Um, you know, what dis- what's that discussion?
1: Well, going in going into the uh, negotiations, if there's any negotiations at this point, yeah. not really. But uh I mean, Snowy kind of known. He's like, "Listen, I'll sign you to two-way. You're going to be in Bridgeport. You'll go uh, go down there. You'll practice with the team. You can. Uh, you're not going to play much. You're going to come back and forth. Uh, I want you to be with your family. Go back. I mean, that's the type of guy Snowy was. He took yeah. care of me. Yeah. Um, another loyal guy that you know. I can't say enough about and. He was just like go down there and uh, mentor the kids, and practice with them, and stay ready. And if we ever need you, we'll call you up. But if, uh, if not, just kind of, kind of like help coach, kind of down there. So it was, uh, it was, it was a fun year.
0: So um, that's the end of your playing career. So now, as you said, you just moved back to Buffalo. Before you went up to Buffalo, you were uh, coaching the the Junior Islanders down here. And I think you said you're going to take a similar role with the junior Sabres, but are you still, uh, are you still going to scout for the Islanders?
1: Yes. yes. Okay. I'm still working for the Islanders. Uh, we made the move from Long Island, um, just because we had, uh, uh, my daughter's going to Bowling Green and, it mm-hmm. uh, kind of came to a head there financially for, uh, living on Long Island. So, yeah. um, yeah, still going to work for the Islanders and, uh, Coaching uh the boys up here in Buffalo.
0: nice nice, so uh like I said, the first question I always ask everybody is who you were as a kid uh the last question I ask everybody uh, I know I do these long interviews they're extensive, I ask you a lot of questions so your memory is is pretty impeccable there um, Is there anything I didn't ask you that uh that I should have or that uh that you want to say about your career
1: um I don't know, I'd, I'd see going back to my childhood when I was really young, I actually was uh the, the kid that got picked on a little bit. So um it wasn't until I probably uh started fighting in hockey that I realized that uh you know, I can do it and stand up for myself and um it's a, no, nobody would ever think that, uh, knowing me now, but um, you know, at my young, younger teen years I was uh I was the guy that got picked on but um uh, that's how that all came about. But, uh, no, just going over my career, you know, I'm obviously thankful to uh, all the different coaches I've had over the years, and starting in Buffalo and in Long Island. It was was uh, an amazing ride. I'd probably stayed in the NHL a lot longer than I should have, but, um, you know, a message to the listeners was uh, just be a good teammate, a good job, and shut your mouth, and don't give them a reason to get rid of you, really.
0: And, and if you're in the hotel, don't tell them what's that i said if they're keeping you in the hotel don't tell them just keep staying in the hotel don't let them know oh yeah don't make any waves. don't even <laughs> let them know you're there well <laughs> uh, based on what you just said we have that in common because uh i i was actually also the kid that got picked on as a youngster and, and into my early teen years that was, that was me also so um that's why i was you know you pass that on to people i always pass that on to my sons and uh, I say, look, you know, I didn't really know what to do in those situations. So uh, I just said, look, I, I've been through it. You know, when they were younger, now they're, they're teenagers. And uh, my oldest son, is, uh, he's going uh, to be 20. Um, but when they were younger, I said, look, you know, I don't want you to go through what I went through. So if something happens, I'm going to back you up. Don't start it, but finish it. And fortunately, I don't, I don't think they ever really went through anything too extended in that department but hearing you talk about how you were one of the kids that got pushed around and bullied it uh it it brought back some memories for me because i was the same way and
1: i guess at a certain age you just decide it's not going to happen anymore no definitely um i'm uh unfortunately uh i have uh my two boys are both uh pyramid heads like myself right now so (laughs) they they've got no issues in that category uh, I'm glad for that, but uh, yeah, you uh, obviously got to stand up for yourself at some point, and uh, there's no looking back after that.
0: Yeah. Well, listen, Eric, I, I've kept you for uh, over two and a half hours. I am uh, I'm grateful for the time, and uh, I I can't thank you enough, and, and uh, uh, thank you for the opportunity to uh, let me talk about your career and bring it to the people, and uh, thanks for as- answering all my questions. I, I really appreciate you joining me tonight. Uh, I appreciate
1: you having me on and um, go Islanders. Yeah. All right, Eric. Have a great night. Okay.
0: And good luck up uh, back up there in Buffalo. All right. Thank you. Have a good night. All right. You too. Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye. Eric Bolton is someone that I wanted to interview since the day I started this podcast. Uh, You know that uh, the incident with Tom Wilson and Visnovsky is something that I've talked about probably ad nauseum unless you're an Islanders fan, but it is something that I feel very passionate about. I'm very passionate about the enforcer role and uh, the fact that Tom Wilson declined Eric Bolton on numerous occasions, but decided to fight Anders Lee, uh, to me, says a lot about the man and intestinal fortitude and character. And um, I've spoken a lot about it, and I was glad that I had the opportunity to speak to Eric about it, get his side of the story, although he was pretty uh, vocal, uh, flat out, plain and simple in uh, in the newspapers shortly after those games. So... I wasn't surprised uh, what he said and uh, I'm glad he said what he said and uh, it hasn't changed my opinion at all. Tom Wilson did not want to fight Eric Bolton. I don't care if he says that. He's too good to fight him. That's horseshit. But anyway, thank you, Eric Bolton, for taking the time to talk with me. I had uh, a blast going through your career. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to bring it to the people. Now, next week's episode is one that I am really looking forward to. Another guy, that uh, I've had on my radar since I started the show. Uh, Short-term Islander, but an Islander that holds a pretty significant record for someone like myself and fans like myself, and uh, that is Brian Curran. Uh, Brian Curran holds the Islander single-season penalty minute record with 356, and uh, he's someone that I've researched, and I haven't really seen a lot of his interviews. I haven't really seen any uh either shorter form or long form like like uh mine will be uh but i really can't wait to to dive into the uh, interview with uh, the colonel because uh first and foremost he will be the guy that his career started earlier than most of uh well than all of my guests really um i mean i have uh, 1979 80 season would be the first season that i'm going to ask him about so uh and then he played you know the whole decade of the 80s where he, I mean, that is just a goldmine for for fans like us with the guys that he played against and the guys that he fought. And, uh, you know, I love the Colonel, and uh, I really can't wait to to talk to him. And from what I hear, he likes to talk also. So uh, this is like a match made in heaven. So uh, once again, thank you, Eric Bolton, for joining me today. And uh, stay tuned next week for my interview with the Colonel. And uh, I hope everyone has a great week. Take care and stay safe.